Okay. Good evening. Tonight's class, Parshas Kiseitze, Bir Kiseitze. We're going to learn Luzchus. It's been dedicated by Dr. David Katz, and this is Luzchus. Shlomi Yitzchak ben Esther Feger, Schwartzi. He should have a total and complete refuah shalema. Okay. So, as I mentioned many times, we've learned in Lakuti Torah in the past years the Maimarim, most of Maimarim of Lakuti Torah, and most of the original discourses, and now we are left with the explanations of the discourses. And as I discussed many times, the explanation of the discourses are a little bit more complicated than the discourses themselves. So this week we're going to learn Biur Kiseitze. This is, an, this is a fascinating mimer. It's a fascinating mimer. I really didn't do justice in preparation. I'm a little busy with all these events and all things happening. But the Abish is going to have mercy on us and hopefully illuminate our minds that we should understand what the mimer says. Um, the mimer itself we learned a couple of years ago, and now we're going to learn the beer on the mimer. The mimer discusses something very important, I guess. The Torah, even though you know the Chumash is the Chumash, and then there is the time, the season of the year. But by divine providence, there's certain parshias that we read in, in, in the various different seasons. The season of Elul, preparation for Tishrei, is always read, Parshas Kiseitzi. So it must be that the parshas talk about the, these various parshas, Parshas Kiseitzi, Kisavai, the the um, the parsha has within it the energy of the time that we're in. So the energy of the energy of parshas of this mimer is very special. The energy of this mimer is really powerful for the time that we're in right now, and that is Chaydesh Elo in preparation for Rosh Hashanah. The parsha opens up with a story of a man going to battle, an army going to battle, a Jewish man, a Jewish soldier in battle, and he finds he's attracted to this Gentile woman. And, um, okay, so the Torah is afraid that if we're not going to give us a way for this man to be able to marry this woman in a kosher way, uh, he's going to marry her or at least have relations with her in a non-kosher way. So the Torah gives a certain procedure in which... Um, um, if you find amongst the captives, uh, the, the, the Pasuk describes it as a beautiful woman and you want to marry her. So the Torah gives a certain procedure of how you deal with this so that you can integrate her into the Jewish community. So take her and first for a month, the Torah would rather that you don't marry her and you marry just a Jewish girl. So the Torah tries to give you a procedure in which you create a... a, a um, an environment or a situation with this girl that was once um, maybe very appealing and very attractive is not so attractive. So she sits in your house and she's supposed to cry and she lets her, and she, she, she's just, she's not in her best state. And after, if, if after a month you still desire her, then you can marry her. And she can be, she becomes Jewish, obviously. You might guire her, she, she, will, she will convert and she becomes Jewish and you marry her, fine. That's the simple story. But then there is the inside story. 
The inside story is that this beautiful woman that you find in captivity is your own soul. That's according to Hasidus. Now what more do we have to say? Once we say that, we know that, wow, this is already a whole different story. You go to war, and you find this beautiful woman in captivity, it means you find your own soul in captivity. That's the beautiful woman that's in captivity. And, this, and then it tells you basically, and basically this is what happens this time of the year, because we're all beginning to get ready for Rosh Hashanah, and we'd like to come Rosh Hashanah with our soul, because only our soul can crown God as a king. But if you find your soul is captive by the forces of unholiness, so you have to first redeem your soul. You have to reclaim your soul. And the Pasuk is describing the ability of how do you reclaim your soul. How do you take your soul out? And it's a step-by-step process. And it begins with going to war. Because if you're not ready to fight a battle, you're not going to get your soul back. If your soul has been captured, taken in captivity by the forces of unholiness, if you're not ready to take on arms and fight for your soul, this ain't going to happen. You have to be ready to go to war. The Alter Rebbe explains in the original Mimer, going to war means davening. But not just davening, really davening. Deep davening, in which the Zohar says, Shas Tzlois or Shas Kravam. The time of, of davening is a time of battle. So this is the time during the month of El, when every time you end davening, your sitter should be filled with bullet holes. Riddled with bullets. You were, you, you were in, a, in a ferocious battle, meaning you really get into it. And basically you have to argue it out with your animal soul, which comes from the unholiness. And the question, right, because the question is, where do you direct your energy? Where do you direct your life? Our animal soul creates a whole, a whole reality that's bluff, that's full of lies. And we have to and you have to, um, our work is to, to uh, de-bluff, or to, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the word would be, to reveal the lies of the animal soul through davening, you reveal the truth. And automatically, as a result of that, you, 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 you eliminate the klipa. And once you eliminate the klipa, you can free your own energy from the klipa, your own soul. So you go to battle. Of course, it's your neshama going to battle. But the person, it's your conscious self going to battle to try to re- redeem your deeper self that got stuck. And, uh, okay. So the, this, so the Pasuk describes, let me just do a very big kitzer. The Pasuk describes, you see the... the so the first instruction, as we're going to see, is when you go to this battle, try to put yourself, try to position yourself where you are above your enemy. If you try to fight a battle and you're equal to your enemy, then you're probably, you know, even you might win, but you're going to take a lot of losses. In order to really win a war without any casualties, you need to position yourself above your enemy. So, for example, a country that has superior ear power over the other one, you know, obviously has the ability to be able to hit the enemy below without taking too much of a risk. Because they're, they're bombarding from above. After you soften the energy, the enemy really bad from above, then you can like go in there. They don't have any power to beat you because they're already weakened. So that's the meaning of when you go to war, you've got you to gotta rise up above your enemies. How do you do that? So the Altadeb is going to explain that in every, in every power that we have within us, there is a power that corresponds to the other side. 
There is a power of holiness, and there's the power of the unholy. And the power of the unholy is a, an opposition to the power of Kedusha. And, and on various different levels. But then there are certain levels of Kedusha which are so high that Klippa does not have any equivalent element to fight it. Because the powers of Kedusha that are so supreme that the unholy doesn't have a match, doesn't have a power. And the, that's where you should go to when you fight your battle. Rise up within you to a, very, to a higher place, as we're going to see soon how we do that. Connect to a higher place within your soul where Klippa doesn't have any way to counter that. And then you're above your enemy. And that means that you should rise up to your makifim. In the makif energy, in the makif energy, in the powers of the makifim, makifim are the encompassing energies of your soul, not your intellect, not your understanding. Don't fight through reason, rationale and reason. Dig deep into your soul, uncover your limitless love to God. And when you do that, your enemy is going to run. Because Klippa cannot stand and, and, and gaze at such powerful light. So that's the first thing. Go to war, go alavecha, go above your enemy. Okay, I mean, all these things are discussed. I'm just giving a little preview. How you do that, what does that mean? Fine. Then it says, God is going to help you. And you will, you will be able to take captives. But the interesting words of the Pasuk is you're going to take captives, you're going to, Vishavisa, you're going to, you're going to, it should have said, Vishavisa Shevi. You're going to capture Shevi, captives. It doesn't say that. It says you will capture his captives. You will capture his captives. What does that mean? That means that you're really just reclaiming the captives that you wrote. What you're taking is not Klippa. You don't have to capture Klippa. What you want to get is the pieces of yourself that the Klippa got already. The Klippa has torn off, literally, has torn off chunks of your soul. And it's embedded in the unholy. Those were the captives that the Klippa took, the unholy took. The Chitzonim have abused your soul so badly that they have ripped off pieces of your soul and they're holding it. Now, however, when you're coming to the month of El and you want to do tshuva, and you, you want to reclaim your soul. So you want to take back those sparks of holiness of your own neshama that has gotten stuck in the klipa, and now you're getting it back. Okay? But that's not the essence of your soul. That's only the expansions of your soul. Basically what that means is, we're going to see soon, there is, a, there is your neshama itself, and then there is the thought, speech, and action of your soul. The thought, speech, and action of your soul are where your neshama is, expand, is, is um, flowing into. Our energy of our neshama flows into the thoughts and speech and action. And everything we do is a little piece of ourselves. But that's not us. It's only an expression of us. But still, if it's an expression of you, it has to have some of you inside of it. So little tidbits, little crumbs of your soul enter into thought, speech, and action of all the stupidity that we think about all day long. Some of them are just stupidity, and some of them are outright garbage. And the problem is, a lot of pieces of ourselves get stuck. And that's the meaning when the Pasuk says, 
If you're scattered, if you are going to be scattered at the at the at the uh, at the ends of the heaven, if you're going to be scattered across the globe, Misham God is going to gather you together. So it's a little strange. How can one person be scattered around the whole globe? I understand that if you're saying to the Jewish people as a whole that if you're going to be scattered, then it should say, If you as all, you, all of you together will be scattered, one guy over there and the other guy in Australia and the other one in China and the other one in, in France, and as you all scatter all over the world, I'm going to take you. But the Pasuk says, If you as an individual are going to be scattered, so the Alter Rebbe says, yeah, it's possible for a human being to be fragmented in a billion places. Because your soul is spiritual. And when you get into something, when you invest your passion and your thoughts and your excitement, into vi- when you become attached to something, guess what? A little piece of you becomes assimilated into that. And if tomorrow you find something else that attracts you, there's another little piece of you, a little piece of your heart that gets attracted to that. Why are we so tired all the time? Why are we so exhausted? Why don't we have the energy to really get into a song and cleave to God? Why don't we have the energy to say Shema Yisrael and pray? Why don't we have an energy to really experience Shabbos? Because by the time Shabbos comes, we've taken all of the pieces of, of us and, and invested them in all the investments. You come to someone, you ask him to invest in your company. And the most common answer is, I'm already, I'm already thinned out. I've already, all, I, I, all my money is already tied up. I'm tied up. I have a little bit, you know, I have a couple of thousand here. I have a couple of thousand here. I have in these stocks. I have in this. I have nothing left to invest. I'm done. The same is also in the spiritual energy of the soul. Chas v'shalim, when you exhaust your soul and put it into the various different things, you basically scattered your entire neshama not your entire neshama, but at least many pieces of your soul get stuck in all these things in the world. And when you do tshuva, your first job is to redeem all the pieces of yourself that have gotten stuck in everywhere. And, and how do you do that? He's going to explain. If you have a powerful sense of remorse, where you feel like, why in the world did I... What is, why in the world am I putting my energies into such stupidity, such such temporary, temporal, silly things that don't have any, 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 any truth to them. And when you feel really bad about it, you can extract yourself out of it. And that's what it means. You're going to take back the captives of your own neshama that have gotten stuck. Fine, that's the first thing. Try to reclaim all your thought, speech, and action and bring it back to God. Fine. Imagine if at the end of the year, think about it, in the next two and a half weeks, or three weeks, two and a half weeks, you can reclaim all the energy that you put in in the last year, in everything. We become so splintered into a million different things. And at this moment, you really, really, really dawns upon you, you say, wow, I'm here, I'm God's one and only child in this world, to do something godly and do something holy, and look how I squandered myself in a billion things. And why did I do that? Shouldn't I have one heart only to one being? And that's Tashem. You, you pull back all your pieces. 
Did you realize that in Tishrei, I don't know if you ever realized that, you're much stronger, you have more energy, you have more power. We just shana, we sit in shul all day, Yom Kippur, sukkahs, dancing, simchas be'ak, kafas. You don't have that energy during the year, but then during Tishrei, why? Because through tshuva, you're actually pulling your pieces back. And then you're not, then you're not depleted. That's the point. You still have, you fill your tank up with yourself. Because through tshuva, you get, you get your pieces back, you get your sparks back into one place. Good. But then, then you take a look amongst the captains, and you see Eishas Yifas You see a woman, simply it means a beautiful woman. But the Alter Rebbe translates it as the wife of a beautiful one. Not the woman is beautiful. She is the wife of a Yafas Torah. So the Yafay Torah is actually in this case referring to the husband. There is a man who is very handsome. And you see the wife of the handsome one. That's a Yafas Torah. You find the wife of the handsome one that's stuck in captive. What does that mean? So he's going to explain the handsome one is referring to the masculine side of your soul. The masculine side of your soul is not in your body. That's your soul that remains in heaven. That part of your soul is beautiful, magnificently handsome, because it doesn't descend into the, into the world where it can age and get dirty and get, get, get wear and tear and all the troubles of life, because it remains aloof, it remains transcendent. The wife of the handsome one is the part of your neshama that does go into your body, is enclosed in the body. And that part of the neshama is. Now, earlier we were talking about reclaiming the expansion of your neshama. As your soul expands into everything, reclaiming the expansion, your thought, speech, and action. But how about your very soul itself? Not its thought, speech, and action. The soul itself is, the, is what the Alter Rebbe calls in Tanya, the kocha sanefesh himself. Your emotions... Your essence of your emotions, where are they? They can also... A person can sometimes... See, there's two levels in corruption. We can become corrupt, corrupted in thought, speech, and action. But in general, our emotion itself is in a good place. Generally, if you look into the Jews' love, where is your passion? In holiness. But a little bit of one's self, after all, we're living in a physical world, a little bit gets caught up. For a moment, I lost myself in a plate of sushi. For a moment, I've lost myself in this, or in that, or in that. I've, I, 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 that means little crumbs of your soul that get stuck. That's bad. But that's not as terrible. But how about if your entire, the wife of the beautiful one was taken in captivity? That means that the, your essential sense of pleasure, your sense of delight, your sense of love, your, your, you're not love, the sense, the emotion, the entire love of your, of your heart, and fear, and 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 teferes and all these all these elements of the essential being have become misplaced into klipa into unholiness. Then that that's called the woman itself is in captivity. So now that that's the next stage. First, you can work on reclaiming thought, speech, and action. Then you'll have to go deeper into your soul to reclaim the soul itself. And how do you do that? So that's going to explain, uh, you should take her back for a wife. And he's going to explain in the Mimer, how do you take your soul back? Pretty awesome. How do you take your soul back? 
How do you reclaim your koiches anefesh to be in holiness, to be in kedusha, and not chas v'shalom, be enslaved to the unholy? Then, what does the pasuk say? The yashva bebeisa, she should sit in your house. And the pasuk says, v'gilches raisha, she has to shave her head. Pasuk says about this woman that in order, so the, what did the girls, what did the Gentile girls usually do? When they went to war, they would, they would purposely attract the men, the soldiers. I guess they saw, especially if they're, if they're, if they, if they're, if they're what's it called again, if they were losing at battle, so they might as well get themselves in a good position by, matter, by marrying a big officer from the winning army. So they would. Beautify themselves. So that's what happened. The Jews go to war, they see this girl. So, so the Torah wants, the, Rashi says, so that she has to remove her hair, shave her head, and she lets her nails grow very long, not in a way that's appealing. And you're looking at her and you'll get disgusted by her. That's what the Pasuk simply wants. But on the deeper level, what is the meaning? She removes her hair. means once you've reclaimed your neshama, as he can explain it earlier, now that you're a Balchuva, you're a real Balchuva. Now you're pulled your heart. You have literally a change of heart. You changed all your emotions. You reclaimed your soul. You can't go back to ordinary living. You have to shave all the hair of your head and you have to cut your nails. Va'asasa. The, the Pasuk says, simply in Pasuk it means you should let the nails grow long. But the actual translation of va'asasa at Siparnel means you should fix the nails. So the Alter Rebbe explains, hair and nails represent excessive involvement in material material things. Because here represents that you're overly involved. Here comes from excessive energy in your brain. What's causing hair? Here, where does hair grow? Hair grows around your head. Why does hair grow around your head? Because what's the most, mo- mainly, even though hair grows in the rest of the body, but most hair grows around the head. Why? Because the brain has got a lot of energy. And a little bit of that energy can't be contained in the vessel, so it protrudes out. So it needs somewhere to go, so it causes these various different growths of hair that are growing, and every hair follicle contains a little bit life of your brain. Right, so you got this extra protrusion. In the unholy, it means, so what does it mean in life? It means that when a person overly involves his brain in worldly material things that are not, not bad, for a person to become extremely excessively engaged in business thinking all day long, more than is necessary. And as the Altareb is going to explain in this mimer, in a fascinating idea, a person who is overly thinking about making money and trying all these different schemes and ways to do so, actually, it doesn't help him at all. It actually is detrimental to business. It's much better, as we're going to see in the mimer later, that you do a little bit doesn't, but, but not to overly involve the mind because it doesn't bring extra parnasa. A balchuva has to be very careful with this more than another person to shave their hair or their head. To, I mean, once you return back to God, focus most of your energy in kedusha. Got to make a living, make a living, but don't perturb your mind. Don't invest your mind. That's called the hair. Your the, the the thoughts that are nonstop. Like, wow, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And also cutting the nail, letting, watching the nails, the nails are, the, if the hair is the excessive brain power, 
the nails are the excessive emotional power. Why? Because if you trace your nails, where do they come from? They come from your fingers. And where does your fingers come from? Your two hands. And where does your hands, both your hands plug into? Your heart. So here's the emotion. Here's the expansion of the emotion. And what's at the very, very tippy, 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 tippy end is the nails. And what usually happens when you, left, when you let your nails grow long, it gets dirt accumulates under your nails. That means that at the very end of a person's midot, even if you watch your emotions and keep it in a holy place, at the very end of emotions, the klipas get, get involved. We're going to understand that much better as we learn the mimer. What you need to do is you need to clip your, your nails and you clip your hair. Which means spiritually, it means that a Balchuva has to be very careful with what, where he lets his emotions go and where he lets his intellect go. Then it says another thing, I mean, I'm just going to say quickly. She should remove her captive clothing. That's what the Pasuk says. And she wears other clothing, but she should remove. So Rashi says it means that they used to wear seductive clothing. So you should remove that and put on less attractive clothing. Simple meaning. The deeper meaning means, hear this, and in addition to a person's klipa, internal klipa, there is also what's called encompassing energies of unholiness. Just like in Kedusha, there is internalized holiness, and then there is encompassing holiness, for example, when you do a mitzvah, you bring down a kedusha on your soul that's much bigger than your mind can comprehend and understand. You bring down this awesome holiness. You don't know, and we know that what's the rule when you do a mitzvah? What generally happens when you do one mitzvah? What do the sages say? One mitzvah causes another mitzvah, brings another mitzvah your way. You have this like push. You don't even know why, but suddenly you feel, I need to go into this building. You go to this building, you find a Jew, and you do another mitzvah with him. And you do one, automatically you keep on encountering people. Mitzvahs come your way, unbelievable. You get into like this mitzvah role. And it's not conscious decisions. You have this like power of kedusha that's encompassing. It's pushing you in directions, and you have no idea. It's like the sixth sense, like this gut feeling, but there's something deeper in you that's pushing you towards holiness that you don't even know. That's... Holy makif. Sadly, it works the other way as well. When a person does an avera, it says, they sometimes become enthralled and enveloped in makif of klipa. Makif of klipa. That's when a person doesn't even want to sin, but they keep on bumping into sins. That's horrible. You're not even trying, you don't even want to. It's not even like you're planning it and you're thinking, but you keep on like bumping into negative things. It keeps on like showing up everywhere because the person got stuck in a klipa that is encompassing them. That's called the garments of captivity because they're garments. They're, they're not contrived by your mind. It's almost like you've been taken away into the cat into the hechal of klipa, into the unholy realm of klipa that's surrounding your soul from head to toe. So that's the next step. Remove, bust, break, burst that bubble of klipa that's surrounding you. Vaisira, remove it. We're going to learn how to do that. It removes that bust, that 
bubble, that impurity that's surrounding, the superconscious impurity. Remove that. And then what? Vyashva Bebeisecha, she will sit in your house and cry for a month. Nope. Almost. Cry for a month, he explains, is not the month of Elul. It's the month of Tishrei. And the crying that we're talking about over here, he says, why are you crying? You've already redeemed your soul. You've already elevated your soul from darkness. Now you're crying. Ooh, so the Alter Rebbe explains in the end of the Mimer, this is a whole different level of crying. At this moment when you've really entered into, when you retracted, your, when you redeemed your soul from darkness, and now you've become a wife, you become a recipient, you become a Eishas Yafas Toyar, and the powers of your Makifim are shining brightly into your Neshama, and your ability, and you're able to receive the real powers of holiness, because you become a vessel, because all the klipa was removed, and now you're, you're reclaimed all the pieces of your soul, you've redeemed your neshama itself, you removed those garments of klipa, now you're attached, suddenly you're filled with so much light, and with so much energy, that your brain can't handle it, and you start crying. And it's crying, but it's not crying of pain. It's crying of joy, coming from an exhilaration that you can't handle, from pleasure that the brain can't handle so much delight, and that's what causes the, 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 the tears to flow. And, and that's the type of crying it says is going to happen when Mashiach comes. He says, it says the, he asks a simple question. He says, Jews, the Jews are not going to be redeemed until they do tshuva. So if so, why does it say when Mashiach comes, we're going to come with crying, with weeping. With sobbing, we're going to come back. So what do you have to cry now? You have to cry before God redeemed you, before Mashiach came. She says, that's a different crying. And that's the crying you cry before. is, we're suddenly going to be experiencing after two thousands of years of numbness, of coldness, of not knowing what God tastes like and what God feels like. And suddenly the soul is going to be filled with such powerful light. Every Jew is going to feel such love, such light. The brain and the soul will not be able to handle it. And the weeping is just, everybody's going to be weeping. The weeping is going to be just because you can't handle the intensity of the light. It's such joy and such And then in the end, and after all of that, Tava then you can have relations with that woman. What does it mean? Then your soul goes even deeper than the crying. It reaches a point of total fusion with Hashem. Where it's no more getting close, being excited, desiring, wanting, experiencing. It's beyond experience. It's total Mesiris Nefesh. One with the Abishta. And that happens by Ne'ilah on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, we cry tears of joy. But by Ne'ilah on Yom Kippur, we're not crying anymore. It's beyond crying. It's just oneness, total oneness of the Neshama Hashem. That's the story of reclaiming your soul. We start doing that. We start doing that now. Hopefully by the time Ne'ilah comes, we're ready. We're ready, we're ready to roll. That's the idea. 
Beer Kiseitzi. Now let's learn inside. The beginning of the Mimer is going to elaborate on the idea that there's two parts to the Neshama. The part of the Neshama that goes into the body and the part of the Neshama that hovers above the body. But it's interesting, in this Mimer he's going to discuss something different than generally when you say, generally this is a concept we know all the time. Nefesh Ruach Neshama, Chai Yechida. Fine. Over here, he's talking one step deeper than that. Nefesh Ruch Neshama Chai Yechida, that's your Neshama, the five levels of your soul. Here we're talking about the Tzelem Elohim that's above your Neshama. What does it mean it's above your Neshama? It's not your Neshama, it's the godliness that's in the Neshama. There is the Neshama, and then there is the godliness that's in the soul, that creates, so to speak, the Nechelech Elokai, the Nitzutz, of divinity that's in the neshama. That's called tzelem. And tzelem has three letters. Tzadik, Lamed, Mem. So he's going to explain that in that godliness that makes up not your neshama, but the godliness of your soul, it reflects the neshama, rather, I should say, the opposite. The neshama itself is reflecting the godliness that's creating it. Neshama, we can't really say creating, but... That idea. So just like in the neshama, we know there's internal powers and encompassing levels of your neshama, so too, in the tzelem elokim, that's the power of the divinity that's in your neshama, there is a part that becomes internalized, that's the tzaddik of the word tzelem. It corresponds to the nefesh ruach neshama, to the three levels of soul that are internalized powers, it's the tzaddik. The Lamed Mem of the word Selem are two powers of Makif. The Lamed is a closer Makif, and the, meaning clo- a closer encompassing energy, and the Mem is a more distant Makif, a higher Makif corresponding to the level of Yechidah. That's your Selem. And over here he's going to explain the intera- how did that work. Let's read inside. Again, it's a little Kabbalistic over here, because again, it's a beer, it's not the mimer itself, but that's what we're meant to learn tonight, so that's what we're going to learn. Beer kitetze. Inyan, the idea, sha'adam nivra b'tzelem. The human being was created in the image of God, b'tzelem. B'tzelem elokim. So I want, he says over here, we're going to explain this idea that man was created b'tzelem. The inyan, and then there's another inyan, and that is that in the Mimer itself, he mentions that, remember we spoke earlier that you have to, if you're fighting your Yetzirah, you have to try to position yourself on high ground, above your Yetzirah. Aloi vecha, aloi vecha, go above. So he's explaining how you want to fire, you want to do battle from your part where you're higher, Right? You want to fight from your makifim. Because the klipa doesn't have makif. Doesn't have a power that's anti. Klipa has, for example, you have holy reasoning, there is unholy reasoning. You have holy passion, there's unholy passion. So the klipa is very competitive. But then there are the makif powers where klipa is not competitive because they don't have a power makif. 
Oh, but he explains this that we say that Klippa doesn't have a power of makif is only in the super makif. But in the, in the lower makif, the Klippa does have a competition. Does have a, I'm sorry, the Klippa does have a, a corresponding force. It's related to what the Gemara says that human beings have a shadow. There's a human being and they have a shadow. And then a human being also has a shadow of a shadow. That means sometimes your shadow has a shadow. But a demon, demons, they can have a shadow. But they can never have a shadow of a shadow. That's the uniqueness of a human being over a demon. The Gemara says that when a person is in a pit, and you hear him, he fell into a pit, and he's dying. No one can take him out of the pit. And he yells from the pit, give a divorce to my wife. He wants to save his wife from having to marry his brother. Because his brother was the one who probably threw him into the pit. So he wants to save his wife from having to marry his brother. So he says, give a divorce to my wife. So the Gemara says, if you recognize his voice and whatever it is, you're allowed to, you're acting as his emissary and give the get. So the Gemara says, hey, maybe he's a demon who's trying to cause this woman to think she's a divorced and then she can and he wants to cause this woman to sin because she's going to think she's divorced she's going to get married to someone else meanwhile her husband is still alive so it could be that's what the demon wants to do so the, and that's why he and the demon can mimic the guy's voice so the Gemara says hey you see the shadow so you know it's not a, de- it's not a demon because demons don't have shadows so the Gemara asks but demons do have shadows typical Gemara the demons don't have shadows but, but demons do have shadows yeah, it's not the shadow. It's the shadow of the shadow. And demons don't have a shadow of a shadow. So what does that mean? Shadow represents the... The demon itself represents the internal power. Shadow represents the encompassing energy. The shadow of the shadow represents the encompassing of the encompassing. The makif of the makif. Demons don't have that level. That's what he's saying. Beer kiseitze. I want to explain the psukim of kiseitze. Inyan, we're going to explain a few inyanim here. Sha'adam nivra b'tzalam elokim. Number one, that a person was created in a, in a godly image. The inyan bevua, we're going to explain the idea of a shadow. Ubevua dibevua, and a shadow of a shadow. Okay. So to understand this, he makes siv, let's first analyze. It says, Vayivra lekim esa'adam b'tzalamoy. Hashem created a person in his image. B'tzalem, Elohim, in the image of God, He created him. In Mavur Chayim, it is explained in Etz Chayim from the Arizal. Inyan Tzadik Tzalem, the meaning of the, the, the letter Tzadik, of the word Tzalem. V'lamid Tzalem, and what is the word Tzalem, which means the image of God, is comprised of three letters, Tzadik, Lamid, Mem. So the Arizal says, that the tzaddik lamed mem from tzalem represents three dimensions in the tzalem. One of them, the tzaddik is, we'll see in a minute, tzaddik is one level, lamed is the other level, and the mem is the other level. Now tzaddik is 90, lamed is 30, and mem is 40. So see why, see why this is, what this means. And in the writings of the Arizal, as handed down in Eitz Chaim, in Sefer Mavosha Arim, Shar Hei Chelik Aleph Perik Yud Gimel, 
Kasev, he writes like this. Since it says, man was created, that the human was created in the tzelem. So it means the human down here. But whenever it says Adam, we also have to know that Adam, who was created B'Tselem, is also referring to the Adam that's above. Just like there's an Adam down here, that's the human being. So there is an Adam, an Adam Elion, the supernal man. So the supernal man also was created B'Tselem. So what does that mean? You have to say that the Tzadik Lamed Mem, the Tzelem that there is, is down here in the physical human being, but that's because in the, in the divine Adam, there's also a Tzalem. So who is the divine Adam? So the divine Adam we know is, which level is called Adam above? So we know there's Adam and Chava. Who's Chava? So everybody ready a little bit, we know this. Chava represents the Shekhinah, the attribute of Malchus, she's Chava. Who's Adam then? Adam then is the husband. That's called the Ze'er Anpin. The masculine side of the spherot, of the spherotic range, spherotic attributes. So the, the male side, the chesed gvurit tefer is called the ze'er anpin. These midot are called adam. And it was created, b'tselem. So the etz chayim, the arizal is going to explain what's the tselem that's inside the adam elyon, the supernal man. By taking, by knowing it as it is up there, we will also see and understand how it is down here. Because we too, we're also called Adam. So we are similar to the Adam above. And the Adam above was also created B'Tselem. Okay, so what does it say over there? Kosev. Hamoichen Dezah. So the Ze'er Ampin is the Adam. The Ze'er Ampin itself. Again, I want everybody to be... Understand the term Ze'er Anpin. Ze'er Anpin means small face. It's referring to the six emotional attributes of God. Called Ze'er Anpin. The moichen of the Ze'er Anpin. Now that Ze'er Anpin was created B'Tselem. That means the Tselem is not the Ze'er Anpin. The, Ze'er, it ha, the Tselem is relates to the Ze'er Anpin. But it's not the Ze'er Anpin. So what is that? Ha'moichen Dezah. The, the moichen the Chachma, now, the Ze'er Anpin is primarily Midot. Chesed, Gevura, Tferes, these are Midos. Midos have Mochen. What are Mochen? Mochen are the intellectual powers that create the Midot. Every emotion is a product of what? Of some kind of an intellectual awareness. So the Mochen of Zah, Hemchenas Nefesh Vechayus El That's considered the soul of the Ze'er Anpin. The Ze'er Ampin itself is the Midot. What's the soul of the Midot? So let's look at the Ze'er Ampin like a body. That's the body. The right hand is Chesed. The left hand is Gevura. The torso, the main part of the body, is the Teferet. Okay? Two legs, Netzach Yehod, you got Yesod. You got the entire body. That's the body. The soul that's in that body, what's enlivening it, what's empowering it, is not the Midot, is the Chabad, the Chachma Bin Adas, the intelligence that invigorates the Midot. So that intelligence, that, that Mochen, that gives life to the Midot, that's the Tzaddik of Tzelem. Feel it following? That, that's the Tzaddik of the, of the Tzelem. 
For who demus parts of what is this? It's a it's a demus. The tzelem is also what is tzelem? Tzelem also means an image. So it's a demus. It's an image. Parts of it's a it's a configuration, but it's much higher than the zeir anpin itself, because the zeir anpin is considered already body. This is considered soul. So therefore, look at the words he says. It's parts of zach, very very pure. Veruchni ma'oid, and it's very spiritual. Shalem biyud svirais. It has all ten spheros in it, because the mochen themselves, even though we're talking about mochen, and mochen is usually just what chachma, bina, das. But we know that in kedusha, everything is complete. So the chabad itself has what the midot that are part of the chabad. But we're not talking about midot themselves. You see, you have to, you have, there's a little bit of an edel, there's a little bit, uh, it would be helpful if I had a, if I had a, uh, a board over here this time. There's the Zeranpin itself, that's midot. That's the midos, that's the Zeranpin. Now, the Tselem is the energy that's going to invigorate these midos. The Tzadik is the Chabad, the Chachma bin Adas. That's coming down to serve as an energy to the Midas. But the Chabad is not only Chabad. The Chabad has included inside of it the Chesed of the Chachma, the Gevura of the Chachma. Following? That's why it's Tzadik. Why Tzadik? Because if it has all nine Sefirot inside of it, not Malchus. Malchus is not counted. Because Malchus is already the Keli. So you're dealing only with the nine Sefirot. Chachma bin Adas. And then the six, so six and three is what? Nine. Each one of them being complete. A complete number is always ten. So nine times ten is how much? It's ninety. That's the tzaddik. So the tzaddik is the moichin of the Zeran pit. Shalom is v'hu mispashit. Again, this is all Kabbalah. And it's not so negea. See, it's Chaim and Arizal talk Kabbalah. The Alter Rebbe talks Chassidus. But he's just giving you, from the Kabbalah, we can understand the Chassidus. For whom is Pashat Petoicha Kalim? And this expands into the Kalim, Shelza of the Ze'eranpin. Petoich Gufoi, into the body of the Ze'eranpin. Lach Yoisai, to enliven it. For whom Bchenas Tselem? Echot. And this is the one Tselem. Sheyesh poy gimel bechinois. It has three bechinois. Keneged gimel oisiyas tzelem, corresponding to the three letters. This energy that serves as a the 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 nefesh. It serves as the soul to the zeranpin. It's called tzelem, and it has three levels to it. What is it? Lamed mem makifim. The Lamed and the Mem are the Makif energies to this Adam, to the supernal man. The surrounding energy. The Tzaddik or Pnimi. And the Tzaddik is the internal light, the internal energy that goes in. Upirish, and what's the meaning? Sha'or Pnimi Upchenas Tzaddik. Why is the internal light called Tzaddik? Hainu Tesfiris, because Tzaddik is 90. So you got nine Sefirot, Dizah. Of the Zeirampin. Now let's understand something. We're not talking about the Zeirampin the, the itself because that's not the Nefesh, that's the Guf. 
We're talking about the chayos, the energy that goes in. Tesfiris desar, which are chabad, chagas, nehi. Chachma binadas, chesed gevurit teferes, netzachod yesod. Kol echad kolul me'eser, each one is incorporated from ten. Oilet tzadik, that's where you got ninety. Okay. Kamoshakasa be mishnas chasidim, so it also states in mishnas chasidim. It's only kabbalistic at the beginning. The mimer stops being kabbalistic in a few minutes. Kamoshakasa be mishnas chasidim. It's 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 it, the only reason it has all this kabbal at the beginning is because it wants to serve as a deterrent that anybody who's uh, takes a look at it and says, "Oh my, I'm not learning this," and then if you're persistent, however, you get to the gold. This is also the gold. Like explains over there. The lamid. What's the lamid? Lamid is thirty. Humakif. That's already the makifim energy. Hainu, gimel moichen chabad da'atzilus. That's the three moichen of Chachma bin Adas. And that's called makif. You're going to say, you just already, you just included in tzaddik you have already the gimel moichen. Tzaddik is nine. Why is it nine? Because you have the Chachma bin Adas and the Chagas and the Nehim. And then that's a chod yisot. So you have already the chabad there. So why are you giving me another chabad over here when you have already a chabad? The answer is the tzaddik, the chabad of the tzaddik. Since the tzaddik, I want to just remember one thing: when we talk about selim, the tzaddik is the light that internalizes into the vessels. The lamed and the mem are hovering above; they're higher. Okay, if that's the case. The tzaddik, even though we're talking about Chachma bin Adas, but it's the Chachma bin Adas of the Za'er Anpin. Za'er Anpin, we said earlier, is primarily Midot. But in order for it to be a functioning, it needs to have a Chabad too. It's the Chachma bin Adas of the Midos. How do we translate that into human experience? There is intelligent emotions, where the emotions themselves have a certain intelligence. We're not talking about abstract intelligence. Abstract intelligence is intelligence of intelligence. But then the emotions themselves have a certain intelligence. And that's what we're talking about over here. When we say the tzaddik, primarily it's the midot. The midot themselves, the ze'erampin, have a mochin, have a chachma bin adas of their own. In addition to that, there is a makif. What's the makif? The chachma bin adas itself, not the ze'erampin. The Chochmah bin Adas of Atzilus, that's way above the Ze'er Anpin, that's called an Ur Makif to the Ze'er Anpin. Following? So there's two levels of Chabad. There's a mini Chabad, and there's a grand Chabad. The mini Chabad is the Chabad of the Midot. The, the grand Chabad is the Chabad independent Chabad. So the independent Chabad is a... Makif is the Lamid, and why is it Lamid? Because it's 30. It includes within it Chachma bin Adas. That's 30. That's 3, 3 times 10. Each one includes 10. Lamid gives you 90. I'm sorry, 30. This is a Makif to the general internal light. The test sphere is the Zah. 
of the nine sefirot of the Ze'eramp. Shehub chenas tzadik. The Ze'eramp in itself is, is the tzadik. The oral key that's in the Ze'eramp. Not the Ze'eramp. The oral key that's in this is the tzadik. But that's what's internal in it. Internalized energy. Then the, the, the Chabad is a makif. I am Ashokaz Rebira Posse Masisa Tzitz. Kabakoidish Lamed Lamata. Okay. Vahamem. What's the mem? The mem is already on a much higher level. Not Chabad. Mem is Keser. Now, Keser is a makif to the makif. Because even Chachma bin Adas, even though Chachma bin Adas is only considered makif relative to what? To the emotions which are called pnimi. But Chachma bin Adas are also kalim, are also kalim, are also vessels. Where is the real, real makifim? That's keser. Why is it a mem? Mem equals 40. And the answer is because keser includes within itself Chabad. So you got Chachma bin Adas a third time. But this time the Chachma bin Adas are still in their pre-conscious state. They're in the Keser state. So it's a Mem because it includes again Chabad. But this is not, this is not revealed Chachma or revealed Bina or revealed Das. These are the Chachma bin Adas when they're still absorbed in Keter, which means in the potential. That's how high they are. So now we have three levels of 40 because Keser, Chachma, Binadas. It's 40. Vamem Upchinas Keser. Makif Akloli, it's a general Makif. Koilel Kola Dalid Bechinois, it includes within it all the four Bechinois. Keser Chachma, Binadas. That's why it's 40. Vupchinas Makif, Limakif. There is a makif, and this is the makif to the makif. Shah makif arisha in the first makif. Shuphenas lamid, which is the lamid. Yachoy lehislabish lipa'amim. Sometimes this makif can be enclosed. Likanis betoycha arpnimi. The makif of the intellect can sometimes go down and be absorbed in the arpnimi. It's a relative makif. Vahakelim. Sometimes it could be absorbed in the vessels. Masha enkin hamem, the mem is a greater makif, shuhubchenas makif lim makif. It's the makif to the makif. Umakom makom, nevertheless, beiz makifim elu, these two makifim, the lamid mem of the lamid mem, hem levad inyan hakeser deza. Even though we're saying they are keser, they're in addition to ze'er ampen having its own keser. That's what I was telling you earlier. Ze'er Ampen has to have in its entire parts. It has to have an entire configuration. Why is it 90? 90 because it has all a chachma bina das, even though it's ikr midot, but it has a chachma bina das of its own. Now he's adding something else. Not only does it have a chachma bina das of its own, it has a keser as well. But that's its own private keser. Here we're talking about something much, much bigger. And that is the Lamed and the Mem, which the Lamed is the Chabad, and the Mem, which is the Keser. That's not the Keser of Ze'er Anpin. That's the Keser of Keser, Keser of Atzilus. And the Chabad is the real Chabad. Chachma bin Adas, as they stand independently. 
they are much higher than the individual keser that the Zeir Anpin has. And that's what he's saying. The the ubeiz makifim akomok ubeiz makifim elu dalamid mem hem levad inyan akeser de zah. They are in addition to the keser of zah. Umeirim aloiv merachik yoiser. They they illuminate the zeir anpin. They shine upon it from a greater distance, meaning they are less felt. They have impact. Every makif, by the mere fact that we're saying it's makif, means that it somehow affects the thing that it is shining upon. But it's affecting it in a manner from a distance. It's not internalized. So he's saying these makifim are affecting the person, are affecting in this case the arpanimi from a more distant, from a more disconnected state. Yoiser mepchenas hakeser dezah. More and more distant than the keser of the Zeir Anpin. Kamashakasva mishnas chasidim sham perigvav as stated over there in mishnas chasidim. Okay. Again, the Kabbalah ends right over here. The ayin me'inyan makif or makif or makif. Just a little footnote of the Tzemach Tzedek. You can look in regards to understanding these two levels of makif. The closer makif and the further makif. Beparsha Shemois. Bebir al-Pasek Kabbalah Yashresh Yaakov. On the explanation on the Pasek Kabbalah Yashresh Yaakov. Ube mashakasebe makamachar. Al-Pasek Chanukah Sabayas Ledovit. The famous Mimer, Mizmur Shir Chanukah Sabayas Ladavid. Over there, the Alter Rebbe explains that there are three main primary forces that a human being needs to live. One of them is food. Food is an internalizing power. You take it in, and that's how it sustains you. The other one is clothing. A clothing is makif, it encompasses you. But even though it encompasses you, it still touches your body. And it's still, it's not one size fits all. Every person has to wear clothing that is tailored to their size, which means that it is makif, but it is a makif that relates somehow to the to who you are and what you are, to your nature and your character. And then there is a building, a home, which we also need, which could is one size fits all. Everybody, different, tall, short, big, small, all kinds of sizes can all sit in one room. Why? Because the room is a more distant makif. And it envelops everybody equally, like it says by Yisukkah, that all the Jewish people, from the biggest tzaddik like Reb Shimon by Yochai, to the most simplest or even the biggest sinner of Israel, can all sit in one sukkah. That means that the makif encompasses them equally. No, it's like we say in davening, hashave umashve katoin v'gadol, that Hashem equalizes great and small. Everybody's equal. Being in levusha ba'is v'ayin lekamon parshas netzavim. When it says the Torah is not in heaven and it's not across the sea, it means the Torah was given to us that it should become internalized. And it's not in heaven, meaning it's not in the makif. Heaven is makif. And it's not across the sea, which is another level of makif. It's not in the two makifim. The Torah was given to us in a manner that we can internalize it and understand it. So we see that there are these three levels. There is given us down here, then there is the, the heavens, and then there is the other side of the sea. Okay. Now, just like the Ze'er Anpin, I'm sorry, the Kabbalah is almost over. Just like in the Ze'er Anpin, there are three forces in it. Just like the supernal man has an internal energy that's the tzaddik that goes in. 
Then it has a lamid that encompasses it, and a mem that encompasses it even more from the outside. If we go higher than the Zeheranpin, and we reach to the highest, deepest levels of the divine, we find it also works that way. There's always two forces, an internalizing force and two forces of makif. So at the very, very beginning of beginnings of beginnings, even way before Keter, way before all these levels, when the orange Sof filled all existence, all possible existence, it says that Hashem removed His light and created a black hole, an emptiness, a vacuum, an empty space. And in that space, He shone in a little kav, a little thread of light. That thread, that's the source of the tzaddik, of the internal light. Tzaddik, I mean only at the tzaddik. I mean the internalizing light. That's the, the source of the tzaddik. Then the light that remains outside that black hole, that's the makif. And in that itself, there's two levels. A makif. The, the, the ain't sof that's higher than the tzimtzum. That's before the contraction. That's outside of the space of creation. So you see the same idea. There's an internal energy. There's a makif energy and a makif makif energy. Um... From the very beginning of all levels. The or panimi is the kav. That's, that's up there. So here we get to the chasidus. The same is also in a human soul, in our souls. Nemar gamkein, over here too, it says. That we too were created with a tselem. That means that we too, the, 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 the human being down here, the terrestrial human being on earth, he too is created B'Tselem. B'Tselem Elohim al-Derech Hanal. He also has these Tselem. The Iker Inyan Tselem, what's the main idea of the Tselem as it applies to the Neshama? So what did, I say? what did we say by the Tselem up there? Remember I told you the Tselem is not, is not the Ze'erampin itself. It's the divine energy that's, that's infusing the Zeranpin, either from the inside or from the outside. So the same is also in the human being. When God creates a neshama, there is the neshama itself, and the neshama itself becomes a creation, even though it, in essence it's a piece of God, but it becomes and experiences itself as a creation. And if it becomes a creation, it becomes finite. It is finite. And if it's finite, then there has to be a medium between the infinite energy creating it. And he says a very interesting idea over here. He says, and similarly, this goes back to the last year, two weeks ago, we weren't here last, last week, Thursday night. Two weeks ago, Thursday night, we learned that even the energy of Hashem that enters in Mamalakalam and that goes down, 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 down and encloses itself after so many tzimtzumim and contractions and goes down, 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 down to invest itself. It's a ray of a ray of a ray of godly light. Remember we said? Still, it can never, it, it can't materialize into something physical, into a creation. What then? It creates it. Yesh, mayayin. All, any creation is created something from Nothing. You can't say that the energy itself evolves into a creation 
Because that would mean that God involves, evolves into a creation. God can't, doesn't evolve into a creation because God is infinite and creation is finite. He doesn't evolve. When you take the infinite, if you reduce the infinite and reduce it and reduce it, you're always going to remain with infinite. Infinite cannot be reduced into finite. A little speck of the infinite is still infinite. There's no such a thing as a speck of the infinite. So even if it's a ray of a ray of a ray of a ray of an orpanimi, it still remains beligvul. So if that's the case, we had this discussion two weeks ago, we had a whole mimer about it. It was a chiddush, that even that is still creating yesh me'ayin, it's still similar to that. There we were talking about world, creating the world. Over here he says the same thing applies about creating a neshama. Even a neshama, that's what he says. There has to be a mamutza, there has to be a medium between the soul itself and the godly energy creating the soul. What's the mamutza? What's the me- me- mediator between the two? That's the tzelem. So it's interesting. I, I, I just want you to chap. Whoever was here a couple of months ago, over there we discussed that the tzelem elokim that we have is the mediator between our godly soul and our animal soul. It's our intellectual soul. Tzelem, we learned then, is the nefesh asichlis, the intellectual soul. The intellectual soul that intellectual soul that mediates between the, the godly soul and the animal soul. It's a levush. That's what we learned there. Here we're learning tzelem on a much higher level. Because over here we're also saying it's a mediator. But not a mediator between the godly soul and the animal soul or the godly soul and the body. It's a mediator between the divine energy and the soul. But what do you see from here? That tzelem is always considered a what? What's the common factor? Selim is always a mediator. It's something that stands in between. What did he say earlier about Selim? You remember his Lashon he said on the top? He says it's a dumus partsuf zach v'ruchni ma'od. Very, very, very edel. Very, very edel. Very ruchni. More than the thing that it's coming into. That's the idea. Read over here. In Yenat Selim, it's going to serve as a mamutza, as a mediator. Ben alakus l'neshama. Between divine and neshama. Why? Ki ha nivra. The neshama becomes a nivra, a creation. Yesh meyayin. The neshama becomes a somebody. Al yadei. How does that happen? Hislap shesa'or. How does the neshama become a creation? God's infinite energy goes down into the sefirot. And from one world, it travels into the next world. And from the next world into the next world. And then finally it enters into the spherot of that world, whichever world it is, depending on which level the neshama is. If you have a neshama from the world of Yetzirah, what does that mean? It means that this neshama was created in the world of Yetzirah. That means that what? That Hashem lowered Himself down through the kalim of Atzilut, from the kalim of Atzilut, which is the world of emanation, into the kalim of Bria. From the kalim of Bria into the kalim of Yetzirah, and in the level of Yetzirah, he creates the neshama. Following? If it's a neshama, a coarser soul, if it's a neshama from the world of Asiya, what does that mean? That the Orein Sof clothes itself first in the ten spheres of Atzilus, then from there in the ten spheres of Bria, then from there in the ten spheres of Yetzirah, then from there in the ten spheres of Asiya, and now it creates a soul. In other words, it has to be coarser energy. But what the Rebbe is accomplishing over here, what the Alter Rebbe is saying over here, even after it comes into Mal, into Asiya, and in the last sphere of Asiya, 
which is so, so coarse. It's ma- coarse, relative. It's still divine. As long as it's sphere, it, it belongs to the realm of the spherot, spherot are divine. So if it's divine, how can it create a neshama that's finite? Even malchus of Asiyah is still ainsof. It's a chiddush. Usually you think that malchus of Asiyah is already, is already mugbal. No. Since it's one, soif kol soif, all the spherot are connected to who? To the ainsof. So it's still ainsof. So if so, how does it create what? A neshama that's mugbal. It does it through itself. So look at this. Al through the light being b'malchus ta'asiya in malchus of asiya b'kelim in the kelim. But he says v'kol zehu adayin elokus. It's still divine. Chulu uliyoyse savas aneshama. So in order to create the neshama, shehi nivra, the neshama is a created being, not elokus. Who al yedayat selam elokim. It will do so through the selam elokim. And that Selem Elokim has two parts. Umischalik lebeiz b'chinois. And the Selem itself gets divided into two b'chinois, into two levels. Tzadik the Selem, the Tzadik of the Selem. What does the Tzadik of the Selem mean? Hainu el b'chinas alokus shabitoich haneshama. What did we say earlier? What's the difference between the Tzadik and the Lamed Mem? The Tzadik becomes the or Pnimi, and the Lamed Mem remained the Armakif. So in this mediating energy, that's and it's interesting, this mediating energy is, it's not pure divine anymore, but it's also not creation. It's not Neshama yet. It's between Neshama and, 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 and Alokus and divinity. So it's like, as a Nishtahin and Nishtaher. But, precisely because of that, it has such a sensitivity. Especially the Lamed Mem part of the Tzelem, the Lamed, remains on a purely, God, it doesn't get, see the Tzaddik of it, does get constricted in the body. Not like the Neshama itself, this is the godliness of the Neshama. So, it gets constricted, Saif Kal Saif, in the body. But the Lama, the Mem of the Tzelem remains above. And because it remains above, it has an ability to sense and be a Kali for the Ein Sof. And from that very, very expansive place, it's able to pick up on all the divine vibrations that are constantly vibrating through the cosmos. The powerful Revel, um, 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 waves there are spiritual waves that are constantly being omitted up there in which Hashem is communicating with the world with big big energies that are flowing that part of the neshama receives it all and that's what the Baal Shem Tov says that we have a part of our neshama called the mazel and it vibrates so sometimes um, you know you don't know where your phone is but you hear a vibration it gives us a shuckle so we get these vibrations all the time during the day where we have a subtle spiritual vibration. And what it really is, what we don't realize, is consciously we, we don't know what happened, but it's because the subconscious transcendental makif of the Lamed Mem has just received a 
just received a godly, a godly message. It vibrates, and when it vibrates, the conscious soul also gives a little bit of a something. You don't know what it is, but you're like going, ah, suddenly you don't feel good about, about yourself. You want to like, feel like something, you know, you got to do something better. You got to improve. You got to, that's the truth. Okay, but, so, um, the Lamed, and the Lamed is Pchenas Makif. The Lamed is the Makif. Vezau Pchenas Mazla. And this is the Mazl, Haniska Bediver Rizal. What Chazal always mentioned, Mazlayu Chazi. The sages always tell us that there is something called the Mazl that sees. What's the Mazl? The Mazl is that, uh, it says by Daniel, that he was sitting with a bunch of people, and Daniel received the prophecy, and it communicated with him. His friends didn't know what's going on, but they started trembling. And the Gemara says, if they didn't even, if the transmission wasn't transmitting to them, if God was not communicating with them, and they didn't hear anything, they didn't see anything, so how come they trembled? So the Gemara says, even though they didn't see, their mazel saw. So what the difference is, Daniel was able to translate it into his orpnimi, into his tzaddik. See, the, by Daniel, the, the communication went into the tzaddik of his neshama. He was able to internalize it. They, their tzaddik didn't, was not able to receive it because it wasn't, when the tzaddik goes inside your body, it becomes coarsened. So theirs, Daniel kept his very clean. Theirs already got a little bit coarsened by physicality. It was not able to receive this, this vibration. But the, the lamed part of their neshama that's up there did receive it. And it started, and, it, and because it received something down here, they felt that there was something powerful going on. They didn't know what. And when you don't know what, but you sense something, it caused fright and fear. From the Lamed is where the Tzaddik part of the Tzalem goes down. That's what I'm telling you earlier the whole time. That he's talking about Mazel over here, and all, whatever he's discussing over here is higher than Neshama. We're talking about the godly investment in the Neshama. So, and it's like, it's an interesting idea. It's a mamutza between, the, between godliness and the neshama itself. It can know it as it is known, as it is known, as it is known from the teaching of the holy Baal Shem Tov. In the idea of a baskoil, that announces, there is a heavenly voice that goes out and says, Shuvu and my children, my wayward children, do tshuva. There is a, there is, the question, the question the Baal Shem Tov says, what, what's the point of having these heavenly announcements being announced on the heavenly PA system? Do tshuva if no one hears it. Who hears it? A tzaddik hears it. But the tzaddik doesn't have to do tshuva. Who has to do tshuva? We, of uh, course, people, we need to do tshuva. But we don't hear it. So what's the point? Those who hear it don't need it. And those who, do, who need it don't hear it. So the Baal Shem Tov says everybody hears it. It's the fact that sometimes you have an Isaiah and you don't know where it came from. It's because your neshama just received this. The Kashemi Yashemeo who is listening to him came out. What does the cruz help? the mazel sees ha cruz the announcement to mazenim shechamkein hargasha b'neshama. The neshama too senses it. Shabaguf the part of the neshama that's in the body. Shenim shechlama ma'elam ebchenas mazle that drip drips from the mazel. Ta'alke nikra mazel. That's why it's actually called mazel. Mazel means a dripper. That's what mazel is. Mazel means a drip. Something that causes a drip. Shemam shecha hazal. It goes drip, drip, 
drip from the part of your neshama that's up there is constantly dripping. It's mamshech the drip and the ashpa. Vahamazel who pchenas elokus sheeinay mislabish benefesh klal. The mazel, which is the lamed and the mem, primarily the lamed of the neshama that's not mislabish, it's not enclosed in the nefesh. Which the mazel of the neshama is higher than an angel. This that we know that we are lower than malachim, that's the part of our neshama that's in the body. But the part of our neshama that reigns above is much higher than a malach. As Reb Chaim Vital says, Bishara Kadusha, Reb Chaim Vital the Arizal says in Shara Kadusha, the highest level is not prophecy or Ruach HaKodesh when you're communicating with a Malach, when you have a revelation of some angel who reveals things to you, or even when you meet Elio Anavi, like the or Jews are always like, wow, he has Gilu Elio, it's like the highest thing. It's, that's far, far inferior to something much higher. The highest thing you can have is if you can re, if your own mazel of your neshama reveals itself to you. But you say, hold it, we all experience the re- revelation of our mazel. We just said, it drip drips. Ah, that's a drip. It's not a revelation of your mazel. It's a, a, some kind of a hisoyerus that comes from your mazel. But not a clear, open revelation of your mazel. But the art tzaddikim, who their shayrish hanashama reveals them, itself to them in their bodies. And that is much higher than any giloy of anybody, including Eliyoh Anavi. If your own neshama reveals itself to you, it's much higher than the revelation of giloy Eliyoh. That's the part of your neshama that's higher than your body. Lamed tzelem. That's the lamed of the word tzelem. Nikra b'chinas yafas toyar. Now, why are we reading about this? Because we're learning over here in this parsha that you're going to see in captivity a woman that's a yafas toyar, a beautiful woman. But as we said earlier, the pasuk doesn't say isha yafas toyar. It says eishes yafas toyar. Eishes means she is the wife of a yafas toyar. Not that she is the yafas toyar. She's a wife of a Yafas Tohar. So what does that mean? The wife is the part of Yenishama, the tzaddik of Yenishama, the letter tzaddik of the word Selem, that's called, that's in your body, it's internalized, that's called the wife of. Because she's a recipient. We said before, there is a drip, drop, dripping constantly. What's the Yafas Tohar itself? Yafas Tohar itself is the part, is the Lamed of Yenishama, the masculine side of your soul, it's not inside your body. Why is it called Yafas Toyar? Because this comes from the Ze'eranpin itself. What does that mean? Let me explain. Even though, not to get confused, because this it confused me for a minute when I learned it earlier, but not to get confused. Even though earlier we were speaking about what the Tzela means above, remember earlier in the beginning of the Mimer? And we used over there the Ze'eranpin, and the Ze'eranpin over there was the body. And the tzelem was the nefesh of that body. That's above. In our own neshama, our neshamas all come from where? Primarily, our neshamas are a product and a child of Malchus, of the Shechina. Shechina is called Knesset Yisrael. She's the mother of all souls. So our neshamas are from Shechina. 
But what we're mis- what we don't re- what we sometimes mistake is that's only the part of your neshama that's in your body. That's a a a a a a, a derivative of the shechina. Just like the shechina itself, let's understand what is the idea of shechina. Let's go over again. What does shechina mean? Shechina means mamalakal almin. Shechina is the part of God, so to speak, that gets involved. Shochem dwells in the world. So if the shechina dwells in the world, so a crumb of the shechina that is your soul is the part of your neshama that dwells in your body that gets internalized in your body. What zeiranpin? Zeiranpin is called hakadosh baruch hu. It's the masculine side of God that is removed and above creation. So the part of your neshama that comes from the zeiranpin is the mazel of the neshama that remains over there. So just like in, just like in the cosmic soul, in the great cosmos, there's two levels of energy: the indwelling light and the encompassing light. The indwelling light is from shechina, and the encompassing light is from zeiranpin. The indwelling light is feminine, and the encompassing light is masculine. So too in your own neshama, the, a part of the shechina becomes your internal light, that's the tzaddik. And the lamed mem is shayich to that, is the masculine, that's called your fate toar. Now why is the zeir anpin called your fate toar? Why is the zeir anpin so good looking? And the answer is, because it has chesed, gevura, teferes. It's a collage of all the sefirot, and primarily its primary force is teferes. And teferes means beauty. So since it has a perfect harmony of all the sefirot, that's why it's the magnificent beauty. Um, it comes from It's higher than This level of neshama comes from the male side. I am Ashakos of the El, Parshas Bishalach, Soifte Ramas Chalhoilech Lefneim Yoimom, Bemashakos of Yisrael Nasu Ozla Mailom Ebchina Shechina. That the Jewish people became higher than the Shechina because at that time they connected to the transcendental soul that's higher than Shechina. Okay. Valdemusa Kisei. So now he's going back. Why is it called? Why is it called Yefei Toar? Beautiful. Because we're dealing with the the. the we're dealing with Ze'er Anpin that's, ab- that's called beautiful. Why? Because Al-Dumus kise. what's the Kisei? The Kisei, what's a Kisei? The throne. What's the throne? The throne is what you sit down on. So in Hashem, in godliness, what does the throne represent? God coming down into the world. That's Shechina. What's above the Shechina? The Al-Dumus what's above the Shechina? The, the Ze'er Anpin. Hagedula. So over there we're dealing with the emotions, which are lacha Hashem Gedula, to you God is Gedula, v'ha Gevura and Gevura, v'ha Teferes and Teferes, and Teferes Iker and Teferes is the primary. Shu Pchinas Gavnin, which is all colorful, because Chesed Gevura. Once you have harmony of all the colors mixed together, Shin Ayin Three three hundred and seventy lights that shine in Teferes from Keser, which create the most magnificent collage of colors. Now this, Teferes, but hold it. Let's understand something. You realize it's a little, seems to be a little inconsistent with what we are learning about before. Suddenly now we're saying, what's your Lamed of your Neshama? Your Lamed of the Neshama is the part of your Neshama that comes from the Ze'eran. 
What did we learn earlier? That the Zayarampin was in the level of Zayarampin. The Tzaddik is what goes inside. And the Lamed is the Chachma Bin Adas that's above it. And the Mem is the Keser Chachma Bin Adas that's Makif to the Makif. But suddenly we're saying that what? That the Tzaddik is Malchus. What's being internalized. The Lamed is the Zayar. But how does it fit with the number 30? In this, as it applies down here, how does it fit with 30? Then it's supposed to be, if, it's there, if anything, it should be 60. There's six Sfirot. Why suddenly Lamed? So he explains, um, This illumination that Teferis has. We spoke about that Teferis is beautiful. Why is Teferis beautiful? Because it's a full collage of all the middle together. But that is really coming from the Lamed, like it says, what makes a person splendor? See, a person is beautiful. Let's say a beautiful person. Let's say a person that really has got beauty. So, of course, you have to have certain physical features, complexion of skin, the, the, the way, the, 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 the bone structure, color of skin, color, contrast of colors. All these things make a huge... It's what create beauty. But a person can have all the kalim and not be beautiful. There's a certain dullness. There's no light. There's something else called chachmas adam ta'ir panav. It's like there's the wisdom. And that wisdom, is it's, it's, not, it's not tangible. But it's something there that suddenly puts the face and illuminates it. And then you see like beauty. You go to a wedding. Every kala is beautiful. And maybe this kala was pretty average looking. But by her wedding, you say, ah. See, so people like, you say, oh, because you're supposed to say, kala no v'chasudah. So this is like, the kala is beautiful. But Shami says, you're supposed to see the kala as she is. But I think there's something else to it. Because on your wedding, your whole neshama opens up, and you're shining. So even if you're not, even if maybe it's not like the most exquisite, uh, 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 beautiful face, but on the wedding, the, 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 the shine of Chachmas Adam, that level of wisdom, that shining in the person, is compensating. Of course, and, right? so that, but, but that's the idea. So the, the, the Midas are the Midas themselves. But when you have the Lamid, the, the Chachma Bina Das, shining in the Midas, that's what's really creating that illumination of the mind, of the face. Al-Derech Mashal, like it says, Shetzahavu Panov, like Rebavuhu, one of the great sages, his face was radiating with light. So the Gemara says they knew that someone thought he found the treasure. And the Gemara says, nah, he, he found the new Teisefta, did find the treasure. He found the new Teisefta that he never knew. Maskola Seichel Chodesh, he had this new illumination. Shaseichel HaChodesh Nimshach Mepchenas Maskil. The seichel comes from maskil shuwa ares hamakif, which is the makif. It's the whole idea of lamed. Lamed is the makif. When you have, why does a face become so beautiful? When you have a an epiphany, because your makifim suddenly reveal themselves. Because the where does an epiphany come from? Where does a new seichel come from? It comes from your makif, because from your subconscious, from your super intellect. And suddenly right now, usually that's closed. That door to your energy up here is closed. When you have an epiphany, suddenly the makif energy is, is being internalized. 
and it suddenly shoots forth in the face. And that's why Chachmas Adam Tarapanov. The Zainian, and this is the idea we also say, Yair Hashem Panov, that Hashem should shine his face to you. Train Tapuchin, the two, the Tapuchin are this part of the, the two cheeks. And when it's radiating, means that the Moichen and the Makifim of Kesser are shining in the Zairampin to give the Zairampin a rosy cheek, which means an luminous face. And we're saying, Yair Hashem Panav, let the Ebishtub illuminate to you. What's the indication of two? Shtei Tapuchim? I mean, obviously, here and here. Yes, you have Yumin and Smoil. And then. Haniske be idri rabba, kamashakasagam kemi priyetzchaim, be kavanas birchas kahanim, be pirish yor hashem panav. When you're saying birchas kahanim, is the kavana. Shuhu am shacham ebchenas lamed mem ditzelem. It says over there, when you're saying yor hashem panav, you want the makifim to shine in the pnimim. And that's the idea of a oras panim. Ay mashakasim in yiteferes, soif de ramaschal yonasi bechagvi, de ramaschal beheres kadma. Okay. Vahamem. So the lamed is from chabad. When the Chabad shines into the into the tefer, into the zeirand, and the mem, the mem comes from the kesser makif lemakif. Vamemu me'erech anpin. Well, erech anpin is kesser. Kanam. Oh, okay. This is just a kabbalistic idea. Now let's apply it to us. The tzaddik is the part of your neshama that's in your body. Vahatzaddik upchenas eishes yefasto. Tzaddik is the wife of the splendid one. That's the part of your neshama that descends and goes down in the body. That's the only part of the neshama that can go into captivity. Because that's the part of your soul that gets involved in material life, and even enmeshed, sadly, and chas v'shalem can even be trapped in the physical world. The ikra avoidah, so now your main avoidah is to raise the eishes yifas toar from it where it got stuck. You have to lift up the tzaddik of the of tzelem. Eishes yefas toar. It's the wife of the yefas toar. So just like it is in your own life, the shechina, which is the tzaddik, malchus, goes down to tzaddik. The reason goes down to um, illuminate in the three lower worlds, bria, yitzira, and asiya. And there's such a thing called galus hashechina, with the chitzonim. Derive energy from her. It's called Eishas Yafas Toyar. And the Lamed remains above. It's above the throne. Just like the Neshama is divided into two levels. A little ray of the soul that gets enclosed in the body. And that which remains above as a makif. Which from it come the hashpa and the ha'ara of the neshama. From the makif, it shines down into the pnimi. Okay, now we go to Perik Beis. Now you find your soul in captivity. So now begins the, the part of the mimer. It gets very energetic now. And what does it say? Okay, now you have to figure out how to get your neshama out of its captivity. So what are you going to do? 
In the order of this extraction, of this elevation. At first, first you want to do what? You want to repair your soul, take her out of her captivity, but you're going to deal, you're first going to start with the easier parts of your neshama. And that is what? You're going to try to redeem and recapture your levushim of your nefesh. The, the thought, speech, and actions of a human being that have gone, see during the year, when I'm coming to Chodesh El, I mentioned this earlier, during the year we get, we get so fragmented into all kinds of stuff we get busy with. That you meet somebody and say, what are you into? Oh, I'm into so and so and so. We're so fickle because you meet the same person six months later, you say, what are you into? He says something else. Say, but I thought you're doing so and so. Yeah, yeah. Say, nothing happened for the whole thing. And meanwhile, he put his heart and soul in. Then, and when he spoke to him, then it was like, oh yeah, I'm doing this. And he was fakacht, and he took out his card, and his this, and his that. And he got a whole world going. You know, he was a whole macher. And six months later, like that whole thing, that whole reality is gone. Okay, and now you're in something else. And now you're in something else. And the problem is, as we go through the year, we drop pieces of ourselves in, all over the place. And when you come to Chaydesh Elul, you're depleted. There's nothing left of you to turn to God. Because every pre- you've deposited so much of, 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 of yourself and everything and what's left. So you have to go collect yourself first. Collect your own energy back. from all, Because here's the, here's the thing. You think, a person thinks that when I got, I, I used to be in that, now I'm not into that, I'm something else. And I got into something else. So you say, okay, at least I'm not into that, I'm, not, I'm into this. But a spirituality doesn't just go out. You could have gone out, but you left some of your energy in it. It's there. Because when you pay attention to something, or we, whenever we do that, when we get involved and invest ourselves in something, spiritual energy doesn't just, it doesn't end. It's eternal. It's there. So it remains stuck in the unholy. So now you're, the first avoid is when you want to take your soul out of captivity, you have to go looking for all the pieces of the soul that have been scattered everywhere and tr- return them back. Connect them. Reclaim yourself. That's what it is. So that's what he says. that Allah The first thing is v'shavisa shivyoi. It says you will take captives. When you go to war, you'll take captives. But it, I mentioned in the beginning of the class, it doesn't say you will take a shevi, you will take a captive. Shivyo, you will take his captives. That means you're going to war on your enemies. Your enemy took captives. The captives that your enemy took is... First your enemy stole captives. First they stole pieces of you. Now you're going to reclaim those captives that the enemy took. Meaning bring back. When you're, I want to explain something. The Erechaim HaKadosh also says the same Pirush. But the Erechaim HaKadosh is Pirush is Vishavisa Shivyai. Rechaim is talking about Nitzutzi Kedusha that are in the world that you have to redeem. So they're not your captives. They're Stam Nitzutzim. I think the Rechaim, however, also explains Shivyoi, you're redeeming because Soif Kasoif, the Nitzutz, was stolen from Kedusha into Klippa. But according to the Alter Rebbe's Pirush, it makes deeper sense of why it says Vishavisa Shivyoi. Because first he took captive. What did he take? He took you into captivity. Now you're just going to reclaim your the pieces of yourself that are in the clip. So what is that? Part of every of one's neshama gets, gets expands and diffused, infused rather, 
in thought, speech, and action, shall havlei ha'olam, of the stupidities of the world. Pizur, of the foolishness, of the vanities of the world. Pizur ha'nefesh, the nefesh gets scattered. Ta'hainu koichai seha, the koiches of a person, v'ha'orei seha, and illuminations of the soul. Shenespazru, that have become scattered, al yedei machshava dibur ha'maisa, through thought, speech, and action, the milin dehed yoyta, of, of milin dehed yoyta means of uh, mundane matters. The Altadeb is not talking about sin. Just mundane matters. We put our brain into so much, so much brain energy gets involved in so much shtus. As it is known, as it is known from the idea of dreams. How do you know there's a piece of you that got stuck in that thought and in that thought and in that thought? Because here's the thing. The, the neshama is constantly projecting letters, words. The neshama is a letter manufacturer. It's a word producer. It's non-stop producing words. Now, there are some words that get verbalized. There are some words that get actualized. Really, every asiya is also really only words. That's why in Hebrew, devarim, things which were created, are called devarim, words. It's just that we're taking words and we're we're, 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 we're knocking a nail uh, in with a hammer, we're also producing a letter. Everything is letters. Okay, but those letters get materialized in action. Then there's letters that, that translate into words, and then there's letters that just remain in thought. But we're constantly producing letters. In every letter, and every letter, and every word, and every sentence for sure, there's a spark of your energy, of your soul inside of it. When you finished your day, you have delivered a whole bunch of sparks of yourself in all these thoughts. Now when you go to sleep at night, there is a nasty little guy called the Baal HaChalomos. He's the man in charge of dreams. And what he does is he wants to have fun with you because he knows that you created these foolish, stupid letters that have literally no meaning. But you obviously found them interesting and they made sense to you. So he wants to play around with them a little bit. So what he does is he goes to all these foolish letters that you've thought and narishkeit, like you're thinking, I'm going to be a millionaire, I'm going to win the lottery, and this and this. all the shtus in that everybody walks around thinking, like dreaming of all their, all their fantasies, all their, all, their, all their daydreamings. And he takes it, and he just plays Scrabble with them. He throws around the letters, and he creates different kinds of letters, and that's what you dream about. Which are, that's why Gemara says that you never dream at night, only... Ain what you thought about during the day, but how come you say, wait, it's not, it's not what I thought about. No, it's related to what you thought about. It's not, it's not going to come back to you exactly like you formulated it. It's going to come back in a different order, but it's actually all the thoughts that you've projected out is a reality that's there, and it's going to come back as a dream, and it's going to make you sugar during the dream with, with a nightmare or whatever, or just plain. The Baruch Hashem, we don't remember most of our dreams, or else we'd go crazy, but it's not an Arishkeit. Okay? But the, what does it show you, basically? But you think, what does he want to prove with the dreams? He wants to prove that it lasted to the night at least. L'chaira, if people think that thoughts disappear the second you think them. They're not a reality. He says, no. Every thought is a reality. It sticks around. It's still here. You created something. It's there. And it's just... Now, um, the like it is known from dreams. And even worse than that, the kaf hakele. After a person departs this world, there's, there's something called the hollow of the sling. 
the word desert, where it's described as if they're taking the neshama and they're throwing the soul from one end of the world to the other end of the world, back and forth. So according to Hasidus, what it really means is they take the neshama back into all of its silly, ridiculous thoughts, but they also torment the soul because the thoughts are not cohesive thoughts. They're just... Bilbul, and that's what's called being thrown, tossed around, because you're experiencing the thoughts in an unorganized manner. Basically, Kafakela is an extremely nasty nightmare dream that's ridiculous, stupid, but at the same time very real. But you're a soul, so you know it's not real, but you can't get out of it because you're in these thoughts. And it's supposed to be an extremely horrific and painful experience, but it's meant to help the soul shake itself off from all these thoughts and all this Narishkai. Okay? These are the expansions of the radiance of the soul, and the thought, speech, and action. That not even one thought or not one expression of speech, nothing gets lost. And these pieces of your soul got scattered in various different garments. And now you have to gather back the pieces of yourself. And this is what I mentioned in the beginning of the class. It says, From there God will gather you. He asks a simple kasha. It doesn't say it over here, but in the other mimer. It's a simple kasha. He says, what does it mean? If you're going to be scattered all over the place, how can one person be scattered all over the place? It should have said, If you as a whole... If one yid is going to be there, and one yid is going to be there, and one yid, so the Ebershon will bring you back. If you are going to be scattered, how can one person be? And the answer is, yeah, one person can be all over the place. A little piece over here, and a little piece over there, a little piece over there. And you have to gather together the fragments of your own soul. As it says, oh, but how do you How do you do a kibbutz? The kibbutz, and what's the kibbutz? How do you do a Basically, you have to make a kibbutz goliath, of your own gullus. A kibbutz, and what's the kibbutz? By uprooting the desire. When a person feels a deep remorse and say, Yuck, where did I put my soul in? That very... See, here's the, here's the beautiful thing. As much as we scattered ourselves into so many things, we still have control on that energy. We can extract it from all the places it got stuck and reclaim it. By doing what? By this very thought that I, ugh, what did I do to myself? How did I, by that very remorse and that very contrition about being scattered everywhere, we break. The moment you feel, oi, why did I go there? Why did I think that, say that, do that? That itself, you, you pull the energy out by having regretted ever having expanded yourself into it. In, so now you, you can, you can, Take your deposit out. It's like a person deposited something in stocks. And when he sees the stocks are going down, okay, you might want to say, you know what, let me just pull my, pull my investment out. You can still do so. That's the thing. Regret, you pull your investment out. Through uprooting the desire. Another thing you have to do is we need to make a confession. We need to actually verbalize with our mouth. Sha'arehem, and this, it's something we're going to be doing in two weeks from now, which we're going to start saying many times, Hashamnu, Bagadnu. And it's interesting. 
we say, if you realize, we keep on using the Aleph Beis as our format. And then in Al too, I think there is some kind of a following of Aleph Beis, maybe not. Why, do, why are we so, well, we have to be poetic now, you're confessing before God, so just confess your sins. Why the Aleph Beis? And the answer is because everything is made up of words, and what you're really trying to do is you're trying to break all those unholy words. It's where you're taking all the letters of the Aleph Beis and you're like trying to undo all the Alephs that went in the wrong place and the Beises and the Gimels and that's in each word. Okay? Um, These are the fallen letters. Through the very letters We elevate those letters. And therefore, it's not enough when you're doing tshuva, it's not just enough to regret. You also have to say it with your mouth. Why? Because you two things. You want to uproot, you have to pull out from the klipa two things. Let's understand something. When you say something, in every word, what we said before, every word you speak is eternal. It lasts. Fine. But there's two parts to it. There is the energy that you had in those words. Right? There is the energy you have in those words. There is the ratzon, the passion. And then there is the actual word. The passion is the soul. is The, the word is the keli. You want to uproot from the klipa both the internal desire and you also want to uproot from the klipa the actual osios. So therefore, how do you do that? The, by Akira Saratso, and you're pulling out your desire, your passion from it. And by saying the words, you're dismantling the actual letters themselves. And therefore he says, and another thing which is related to the first thing, these letters actually create demons. They create prosecuting forces within the world. And these letters and these Prosecuting beings, these kategers, they have, they have um, a soul and a body. The soul of this klipa, of this pursuing force, of this demon. The soul of the demon is created by the energy, the enthusiasm, the excitement in which the person does the sin. And the body of, the, of, the, of this accusing force is created by the actual physical act of the sin or by the words and the letters. So in order to dismantle it completely, you want to cre- take the soul out of it, but you also want to decompose the body. Both things are important. the desire of the heart. And his desire which his heart desired or lusted for that thing. And the body was created from the actual action. From the speech. In order for all the sins to be to be wiped away completely. It's also through these two things. Through uprooting the will. You pull out the soul. And through the confession of words, you destroy the body. Okay. So that's how you take your tzaddik, the part of your body that's in your body, 
and is the source of all thought, speech, and action. And you extract it from the clip. That's helping the wife, the wife of the, that's helping the wife of the Yafas Tohar, who's the Neshama that's in the body, that has depleted itself, herself, her energy into all these things. You're helping her reclaim herself and redirect her energy towards who? Towards her husband which is the neshama above, and towards Hashem. Now you're, now you're elevating it back up to your lamed, to your koiches makifim of your neshama, p'chenas makifim. Why? Because the problem is like this. Good. You did very well. You feel a powerful moment of contrition, a powerful moment of tshuva. You actually take, cease the moment, and what do you do? You say vidoy. And you killed all the klipa, you retracted everything. How do you know he's not going to get you two minutes later? You're still living in a world where there is. You, you, you fell into this trap the first time, and you know you're not going to fall in the second time. Go right back into it. So, what's the guarantee to be safe? And the answer is in order to protect yourself, you need to draw forth an energy that the klipas run from. And here's the thing they're not afraid of the tzaddik inside of you. But they're terrified of the Lamed and the Mem. Because they can't look at such intense holiness. They, they can start up with the female inside your soul. They can't start up with your masculine light. Because that's too powerful for them and therefore they're terrified. And that's the reason you have to bring out the Lamed the Mem. You have to draw forth the Lamed Mem of your Nefesh. And then, they, and then the Klipa runs. That's what he says. <laughs> The koiches makifim of Yenishama blind the chitzonim. Shalachain, therefore, we know spiritually, achisazam ben pnimi lamakif. We know, it says in Kabbalah, that where does klipa latch onto? So it says the klipa latches onto the shechina. They literally are like bloodsuckers, they're like mosquitoes that buzz around the shechina. Now, the shechina is the ur pnimi. The klipas come around the shechina. And they try to siphon energy from her. And we're, which way are they looking? They're looking towards the Shekhinah. But they stand in the space, whatever that means, between the Shekhinah, which is the internal light, and the Makif. And their backs are to the Makif, and their faces are to the Pnimi. Why do they have to turn their backs to the Makif? Because they're terrified to look at the Makif. If they look at the Makif, they get burnt. It's too powerful for them. So the or Makif is too frightening, so they can only, they can only attack the or Pnimi. Therefore, when you bring forth the Ur Makif, as we're going to see and see what that means, when you draw your Ur Makif into, into a real, into your revealed part of your nefesh, into your consciousness, the Klippa runs. The they're standing between the Pnimi and the Makif. And their backs is to the Makif. Because they're not able to look at the Ur Makif. And this is what blinds them. And this is the meaning in this parsha. When you're going to go wage war because you want to reclaim your soul, you want to get the woman that has been taken into captivity, which is your own neshama, that has been trapped in the dungeons of Klippa. And you want to pull her out, you want to free her. So the first thing is you got to be ready to fight a war. Because Klippa is going to, but, rise above your enemy. Go to a place where your enemy can't fight back. The Hainu Lamakim Sha'ina Oivim Shultim. 
go up to a higher place, to the place where the enemy cannot, 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 cannot um, rule. And here he brings an amazing pirush, the Tzemach Tzedek, about Megillah Esther, about Purim. It's nice a little to lighten up Elul with a little Purim. Now, Elul and Purim are connected to each other because Elul is the last month of the months of the summer, and Adar is the last months of the month of the winter. So they're mamish diametrically opposed. So they have a connection one to each other. With this we can answer a question. Esther says to Mordechai, when Mordechai asked her to go to see the king, she says, call Avdei Amelech, all the servants of the king, Yoidim know, Asha call Ish Isha, that every man or woman, Asha Yavay Alamelech, that comes to the king, Elachatzer Apnimis, anybody who tries to enter into the inner courtyard, and he wasn't called, Asha Lo Yikare, that was Yikare, that wasn't called, is for sure going to be killed. Valni Loyrik Nikresi, and I wasn't called to come. 30 days, so if I'm going to go, I'm, I'm risking my life. Who knows? That's what Esther says. So he asked the question, so who asks you to go to the inner courtyard? Go stand in the outer courtyard, and you'll stand in the outer courtyard, and you'll send the messenger to tell the king that you're here. Why go into the danger zone? You're right. There was high security alert then, because after Achashverosh had the, the assassination attempt, he was paranoid. So no one is allowed to come into the f- front of the palace, because he was scared that who knows what it is. Fine. So good, so stay in the outer court. How do you know that that's a place that you can reach the king from the outer court? Well, it says that Haman, when he came to see Achashverosh, it says he came, he came to the courtyard, the external courtyard. So if Haman comes to the Chatzar, and the king says, who's in the Chatzar? And they told him, Haman, and he said, let him come. So just like Haman can stand in the outer courtyard, you can also stand in the outer courtyard. Esther can do that. So what's her excuse? I'm afraid to go, because I'm afraid to go, because I'm going to go over there, I'm going to be killed. So don't go there. I'm not asking you to go. I'm going to ask you to go to the king. So the Lachayra ain't a terrorist cloud. It's not a terrorist. She can go out to the outer courtyard. And the youths, the youngsters of the king will come to the king. Who's in the chatzar? It says that Haman came to the courtyard of the house of the king. The outer courtyard. Lamar Lamelech to tell the king to hang up on. Ach Esther, the answer is, we know who is the king. The king is God. Esther is coming to fight Haman. There's the battle that we're talking about. Haman is the Klippa. Esther is Kedusha. And she's coming. So Esther knows that she doesn't want to fight the battle where, where she is standing in the same place where Haman stands. When you want to fight your klipa, don't go to a place where, 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 where your klipa has transcend the klipa. It says, Go to a place where, there is no, where holiness can't compete, where unholy can't compete. And Esther wanted to fulfill that idea. She says here, Ach Esther kaima. Esther fulfilled what it says, She was going to war. She has to be on her enemy. Haman Taka can't come to the inner courtyard. To the outer courtyard, you see, he can go. But to the inner courtyard, the king is God. Inner courtyard means to a place of holiness that Klippa cannot. To a place where the enemies cannot rule. This is the inner courtyard. 
which isn't the case in the outer courtyard. And Hisham Yeshachiz Olohaman Gamkein. Over there, Haman also has power. Like it says, Vahaman Bala Chatzar. That Haman came to the Chatzar, Achitzayna, the outer courtyard. Kineskil, as we said earlier. Ki Chatzar, Achitzayna, Hinam Shachas. What's. Why? The outer courtyard, in, in as much as it refers to God, means the area where God gives life to the external worlds. The worlds are called the Olamos. There's two elements to the world. There's the internal part of the world and the external. The external is the big world you see out there. The big world, that's the world of politics, the world of, that's the big, but that's external. The internal world is Torah mitzvahs, Jews, the inner light. Okay? So in the out, external world, Kalipa can come. Internal, they don't have a shaykhs to, to the panemius. So what's the outer courtyard? The outer courtyard of the king is the place where God gives life to the external elements of creation. Internal courtyard is where Hashem is busy with the internal elements, what He's internally interested in. The real deeper panemius. So, So the external worlds. In the chatzar, you need to have shmira. A chatzar apnimius, the inner courtyard. These is considered the inner keys. This is where the soiv of kalam and energy is. And over there, that's the makif. That's what it says. It says the, the inner courtyard that is facing east. It's, it's open towards the Kadmon Shalom, which means the Ur Makif, the Soviv Kalam. This is locked. The Klippa can't get there. It's open. Which we're not going to get into right now. That's why she needed to come to the inner courtyard that's above your enemy. That's from where, from that advantage point you can fight against Amalek. Which is Haman. Haman is Amalek. However, this first avoda of having regret and remorse, and reclaiming all the parts of Yenishama that have scattered in the Klippa, and bringing it back together again, that's one thing. That's considered an external avayda in comparison to the next stage. The next stage of Nishama, of, of tshuva, is not to regret the, the expressions of unholiness, the thought, speech, and action, but to, re, to fix the internal reason why did I have a thought, speech, and action of such superficial, external, silly, narish guy. Why is there? It's because my passion is in the wrong place. Because my neshama itself got stuck in unholiness. See, there's two things. There are thoughts, but you always have to ask yourself, if you're thinking certain thoughts, you have to ask yourself, why are these thoughts coming to me? Where is it coming from? It's coming from a place deeper than thought. That's producing... It must be because I have a pleasure in this. That's why I'm constantly thinking this. Or because I have 
a fear of this. That's why I'm always thinking thoughts of fear. Right? Because you have to always dig what's beneath it. What's the emotion? So it's one thing to fix the captives. That's the expression. But now you have to get the woman herself out of captivity. So that's the next thing. Amongst the pastors, you're going to see that you've lost your, your very soul. Not just, it's not just that you by mistake had one, without thinking you had a little machshava that you got yourself a little stuck in this or that. No, you, the entire koach of Ava is misplaced. The entire koach of Yira is misplaced. The entire, your entire netzach has become misinterpreted. Ooh. That's already the next stage. Which are only the garments. But to elevate the essence of the tzaddik. Remember, the Lamed Mem doesn't have to be elevated. They've never been corrupted. The tzaddik became corrupted. But in the tzaddik itself, when I say the tzaddik, I don't mean the tzaddik as per tzaddik. I mean the tzaddik of the neshama. The what are the tzaddik of the neshama? The internal power of the neshama becomes corrupted in two levels. One of it is its expression, and the other one is its essence. It's similar to what the Alter Rebbe talks about, the difference between the bainani and the tzaddik. A bainani is someone who controls his expressions, his thoughts, speech, and actions, but internally his etzem hanef, his, etzem hanef, his, his koiches hanef is still remain in unholiness. The Benini would love to think negative thoughts. He would love to say unholy things. He would love to, but he can't because he's bottled. He listens. That's a Benini. The Tzaddik is someone who has transformed his nefesh itself, his nefesh of Bahamas, to become, to become holiness. So that's what we're talking about next. Now, that's the next avoid, the rising. Before you began, put it this way. Before you, 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 you took back the captives, then the person is in the level of Russia. Because he actually has thought, speech, and action that are not kosher. So now you go from the level of Russia to level Benini, once you got back the captives. But now you have to move to the next level, from Benini to Tzaddik, to change the essential kochas nefesh that are in the wrong place. The essential intelligence and emotions. You have to have a deeper tshuva. There are many levels in tshuva. Where you see that, for example, Shabbos is the letters Tashev. Shabbos means tshuva. Shabbos means to return. Reclaim yourself. That's what Shabbos is. As we know, during the week we get all fragmented everywhere. And Shabbos, what do we do? We focus back into holiness. But we know that Shabbos itself has various different levels. There is a Shabbos in every day. What's the Shabbos in every day? The time of davening is considered the Shabbos of the day. So there is the Shabbos as it is in the weekday. Like you say, Hayoyim Yoyim Rishon B'Shabbos. Hayoyim Yom Sheni B'Shabbos. When you're saying that, you're actually standing in the Shabbos of Sunday and in the Shabbos of Monday because you just finished davening. So you're in the Shabbos part of that day. Then, but on Shabbos is when it's a Shabbos, it's a Shabbos Shabbos is a much higher return than the, 
than the, than the return that you're able to do to God that you have during the week. Shabbos, you're in a much higher place. But even Shabbos is not the highest Shabbos, because you know Yom Kippur is called Shabbos Shabbos. It's, it's a double. So you see there's many levels in tshuva, there's many levels in pulling out. As he says, So Shabbos is tshuva. But we know that if you toil on Erev Shabbos, it means during the week, not just Erev Shabbos, not only Erev Shabbos, it means during the whole week, you will eat on Shabbos. What does that mean? If you activate the Shabbos that's during the week, that means you toiled in davening, which is the prayer every day. Prayer is always tshuva. You want to yank yourself out of everything and you want to return to God. This is going to give you a real Shabbos. There is Shabbos Shabbosim, which is higher than even the Truva of Shabbos. From there you'll understand what we're saying over here. How do you get your essential midot out from the Kalipa? Not just your thought, speech, and action, but the midos themselves, how do you convert that? The only way to do that, here, the only way to do that is, now, we said earlier, how do you, bechlal to fight with your enemy, bechlal to fight with your enemy, you can't fight from the tzaddik of you. You have to fight from your lamid. Didn't we say that? Why do you have to fight from your lamid? Because you have to be above your enemy. You can't fight even, even, what does that mean? The argument you have to learn Hasidus to fight your Yetzirah. You can't use philosophy, intellectual, whatever. Why? Because if you have a whole, if you have positive philosophy and you want to fight, because your klipa is going to come up with, inter, with with reason. You can't use logic because the logic is going to be is going to be what is going to be countered by unholy logic. So you have to get to your real to your fanatical desire of your soul, and when you touch into that, your klipa doesn't have that, and that's how you fight it. You're going above your enemy. But that's, however, considered only touching the external part of your lamed. Since you have to fi- what you're trying to fix is the external part of your nefesh that gets scattered in klipa. So even when you're getting your lamed energy, you're getting only the rays of your lamed, not the essence of your lamed. Now, when you want to yank the entire tzaddik, the essence of the tzaddik, out of its darkness. You have to expose, you have to, you have to elevate yourself to the consciousness of the Lamed itself, not to the projections of the Lamed. In the Mimer itself, he, he, he says an interesting thing. The Lamed is called the Nekudas Halev, the inner Pintalayid that's inside of you. Your fiery Neshama, that's your Lamed. Fine. But he says, in the Lamed, there's two parts to it. There is the Ha'aras Nekudas Halev, and there is the etzem nekudas alev. You hear that? That's the chilek. Till now we were talking about the ha'aras nekudas alev. You have to shine from the... But now if you want to save your tzaddik itself, you have to go to the etzem nekudas alev of your lamid and reveal that. That's called revealing your real panemius. How do you get to your panemius? How do you uncover your panemius hanashama on such a deep level? So he's going to explain... In Elo, in Yemei Slichis, it's not a problem. It's easy to do. Because the Abishters, the energy in the world is Pneumius. 
God is revealing himself to creation from his... Hashem's panemius is illuminating. Hashem is shining from his panemius. And the Abishtus panemius allows our panemius to stir. Fine. During the year, however, when it's not El, through Torah study, here's the thing, you need to get your panemius and Hashemah to shine. Panemius and Hashemah is in your subconscious. You can't get it. You can't activate it. How do you get it? He says, through learning Torah and doing mitzvahs. With that intention. In other words, you're seeking something higher to illuminate in you to bring it down. You can't do it on your own. You can't consciously say, I want to open my heart from the deepest place. I want to yearn for you, God, like, well, I don't feel it. It's not emerging. It's not coming out. Well, you learn Torah, it's going to come out. Why? Because Torah is the innermost of the divine. Torah is Chachmah, and mitzvahs are Ratzon. And Chachmah and Ratzon, especially in Torah and mitzvahs, is very deep. When you reveal the Pneumius of the Ein Sof in your Neshama, it's automatically going to help your, your Pneumius and Neshama to come out into a... And Pneumius and Neshama, what I mean over here is, what I call now Pneumius and Neshama is really the Makif. Even though I'm using it, it's an opposite term. Pneumius usually means internal. To the Neshama it's Pneumius. So therefore it's a Makif to the Guf. So how do you get your Makif to reveal itself? Either in Chodesh Elul, you just have to open a Tehillim and start calling out to the Ebishter and you're going to connect to a much inner part of God which is going to draw forth your Pneumius. Like David HaMelech says, I'm looking for my own Pneumius. I don't find my Pneumius. I, can't find, I don't know where I lost my Pneumius. I don't know where it is. I don't know where my Makifim has gone. I don't know where my Lamed Mem is. It just went very far away from me. I don't know where it is. It's Makif, but I don't know where it is. I can't, I can't connect to it. I'm trying to plug in. I'm looking for a signal. I'm looking for a Wi-Fi. I'm not getting the code. It's not connecting. I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I can't, I can't connect back to that desire of my Pneumius Anefesh. Like I spoke about the other day, a Monday night's class. I've gone, I've drifted away, Medina Sayam. I went away from, from the Ratzon. I went away from my Eretz Yisrael. I don't have it. What do I do now? So, David HaMelech says, L'cham alibi, bakshupanai, I'm looking for my panemius. Es panecha Hashem avakesh. I'm looking for your panemius. If I will tap into your panemius, God, I will discover my panemius. How will I tap into the Abishtus panemius? So he says, well, you, you keep on calling out, Hashem, Hashem, ke rachem v'chanon. When you're davening an Elul, the Abishtus panemius is shining, so that will automatically pull you out. It's an amazing Indian. We think sometimes that I can't call out to Hashem unless I discovered my panemius, and then I can. It works the opposite. From this whole idea comes the opposite. You can't maybe reach your own panemius. So call the king came to the field. So call his panemius. And when you call him, he will stand right in front of you and shine his glowing. He will laugh to you. But the Alter Rebbe says, the Abish shows upon him seichekos. The Abish is going to smile and laugh to you. And, and, and what, all the clip is going to melt. And your panemius and Hashem is going to come out. So this is mamash lechatchila ariber. You realize? You're looking for your panemius. So you're jumping. You're grabbing the Abish panemius to use that to evoke your panemius. Now do, again, so on, Rosh Hashanah, on during Elul Rosh Hashanah, you can do it that way. All year long, through Limud HaTayr and performance of mitzvahs, your mamshach, the Abish, just pnimi is down into your nefesh. And like we learned a few weeks ago, it's like swallowing a capsule of love. 
and it's automatically going to bring forth the deepest love. So that's what he's saying over here. You have to be mamshach the lamed of tzelem, pchenas mazel the mazel. Shetzarech lahaschel mepchenas mazel. You have to begin with the mazel. Vahainu al yedei toiru mitzvus through toiru mitzvus. Mitzvus hem keser. Mitzvus are the crown. The toiru chachma, and toiru is chachma. And chachma, even though chachma is already keli, but chachma is the first keli. And what does it say? Chachmas Adam Ta'ir Panav. The Pnimius shines in Chachma. Ayraisama Chachma Nafkis. The Torah emerges from Chachma. Uksiv. And it says, Chachmas Adam Ta'ir Panav. That the Pnimius of the Ain Sof shines in Chachma. Vayadezan. Through that, Ya'ir Panav Itanu Sela. The Abishta will shine its face with us. Liyaz Giloi Pnimius Alev. So that's what you're going to use. You use Torah to help you daven. This is what he says. My heart says, I'm looking for my panemius. And I can't find my panemius. I'm going to look for your panemius. I can look for your panemius and I'll find my panemius. If there's no chachma, there's no fear. Meaning, there's the higher fear. This is what comes from, in other words, I'm looking for my lamed, I'm looking for my mazel, I'm looking for the higher fear. Not the Chazi, keniske gabachavri Daniel, that is mentioned by the friends of Daniel, but a great tremor fell upon them. And how can you reveal that? You bring, you have to bring your mazel down. How? Through Eisekatoira, you reveal your lamed, your, your, your mazel down here. When you're bringing down the makifim from above, it's automatically going to be ma'orer your makif. In a level of mazel, and that's going to cause a vibration. And therefore, if you don't have chachma, if you don't learn Torah, you can't connect to that yira. You could, I mean, to some way, every person has a little tremor of it. We spoke earlier. But if you really want to connect to it in a deep, lasting, real way, not just in a sairis that leaves you in a second, so you need limud ha-toyra. Limud ha-toyra connects you to that level. Through this, guess what? You're going to be able to take her back as a wife. You understand? As long as the wife of the neshama is stuck in the klipa, she's not a wife to the neshama. Why is she not a wife to the neshama? Because a woman can only be married to one man. If she's married to klipa, then she's not married to kedusha. If your part of your neshama is being, is, being, is being abused by forces of klipa that are, that are attacking her and giving her pleasure, giving her delight, giving her her energy, she's getting it from all the worldly, on her, means, the, means if our neshama gets swamped in the klipa, we're not a vessel to receive from the neshama above of Kedusha. But now what? Once you've evoked your, your lamid and you've taken back so then, our days of the kachta the chal isha shat tzaddik the tzelem nikra isha, the tzaddik of tzelem becomes the wife legabi Torah. You're using the Torah now to take your uh, your 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 neshama back. Shahat Torah hu achasn, and in this sense, who is higher? The Torah is the mashpia, and the Jew is the recipient, because you're using the Torah to help you shine your mazel down to which part of the neshama to the tzaddik. To the, to the wife. So that's why it's called wife and the Torah. Sha'a Torah hu achasen. 
Like it says, So the question is, when it says by Matan Torah, there is a wedding, who, who is the chasten and who is the kal? So sometimes we say that the Jewish people are the kal and the Torah is the chasten. Sometimes we say the opposite, the Torah is the kal and the, and the Jewish people are the chasten. The question is, who is mashpia to who? So it says like this, the part of your neshama that's in your body is lower than the Torah. It's receiving from the Torah. Part of the neshama that's above, the mem of the neshama, especially the mem, is higher than the Torah. So that, we'll see soon. Ulu pa'omen nikra Torah kala. Sometimes the Torah is called a kala. Al tikra it says, Torah tziva lanu moishem, moirasha kehilas Yaakov. Chazal say, don't read it, moirasha, ela meurasa, she's engaged. That means the Torah is engaged to kehilas Yaakov. That means kehilas Yaakov, the Jew, is the husband of the... In compared to the mem of the neshama, then the Torah is the Chayri is asking a question. Good. Our mazel is higher than the Torah. Our orpnimi is lower than the Torah. But all the Torah also has a mazel. It says, the sages say, hakol talu b'mazel. Everything is dependent in mazel, even a sefer Torah in the Aran HaKodesh. If you go to a shul, you'll see that some, some sefer Torahs always get pulled out, they always get read. And the other sefer Torah sits inside and it's never read. So everything is dependent in mazel, it says. It's a deeper meaning. Even the Torah that's in the Heichal is totally b'mazel, meaning it has a level, a source called mazel. mem. That's the mem from the Torah. And then there is In the Torah itself, there is the secrets of the Torah, and there's the secrets of the secrets. So that's the makif of Torah, that's the mem. So what are we saying now that the Torah is the recipient and lower than the neshama? It's all just parenthetical. The Toida has 40 breads. Toida is bread. Bread is Torah. And 40. You see, it has an, it has an element of 42, which is the Makif. Then it doesn't, we don't understand. That the Memshin to the neshama is the husband to the Torah. We can say, the Masha Torah itself is not the Mem. The source of the Torah is a Mem Shemesham Nitna, which is the Midbar Matana. We'll stop for a few minutes. And then we're going to learn over here. So good. Now you retrieve your neshama. And the Pasik is going to make sure that what? That you got to do the right thing in order for the tshuva to be what? Lasting, permanent. And that you shouldn't fall chas back into that which is unholy. So the woman that you just retrieved, your neshama, you have to make sure to shave her hair of her head. And you got to do her, na- and you got to do her nails. And what, that, what does that mean in the Nisham? And then finally, and you'll be able to take her for a wife. Huh? The crying is the ultimate, final, Zach. You're tired, right? I can keep my eyes open.
לא יכול לפתוח את ה... Gilchas Roishon. So now, the Gilchas Roishon. So it seems like from the Mimer that the the the, the primary truth is done already. Now there has to be a certain zehirus. There has to be a protection to watch out that Chas v'Shalom, the person should be able to maintain their their footage and not Chas v'Shalom fall back into whatever. So the Pasuk says, now take this Eishas Yefas Toyar, take your Koiches Pnimiyam, your, your, your Tzadik of your Neshama, which means your internal powers of your soul, and cut off, and, and shave off her here, meaning don't allow excessive involvement in other things. Moisrei Moichen, that means the, here, means the um, extras of the Moichen, the excessive, the... Uh, how would you say moisre? That's a good word. I don't know a word. Good word for it. excessiveness, excess. And generally, ask a question. We know. Um, so here's a question. I'm really, really, he's going to explain. So, if the hair is a bad thing, because we have to cut it off. So, how come only when you find your neshama in captivity, you have to remove its hair? And if your sham is not in captivity, if you were a tzaddik all your life, so if the hair is bad, then the hair is bad. It doesn't say anywhere that you got to shave. Yeah, but you're saying that the shaving of the hair is dafka set to this woman who is coming from captivity. So taka and bells, other than satma and skver, so all the women are also shaved the hair. I feel that tzaddikim. Okay, but it doesn't say that. It's saying it that the shaving of the year is only for this woman who's coming back from captivity. Which means that only the Balchuva needs to shave their hair. Not the Tzadik. So why is that? So he's explaining, now it doesn't mean physically that a Balchuva has to shave their hair. So I'm saying, in concept, whatever Balchuva means, and whatever hair means, it has to be shaven. What's the idea? So the idea is like because in general we find a contradiction. Sometimes it says there are times that it says that here is kedusha. There are times that it says that here is holiness. Like you find by a nazir, a nazir has long hair, and all of his kedusha is in his hair. On the other hand, we know by a woman. Exposed here when she's married is considered an erva. It's, an, it's, it's not clean. So which one is it? Is hair good or hair is bad? The answer is, depends on which level we're talking about. In very, very, very high transcendental levels of Kedusha, here is very, very good thing. What is a here? Let's explain what a here means. A here means a tiny, little, narrow tube in which energy flows. So the fact that it's very, very narrow and very tiny and very, very minute, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it depends. If the source, if the source from where we're really tapping into is infinite and boundless, then a, a thin little tube is a very good thing. Because if you try to drink or fill your pail from the infinite energy itself, it will completely overwhelm and destroy 
So therefore, the only way you can draw life from that place is only through a tube and only from a very narrow channel. Okay? However, once... However, if... How about a, 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 a level, and a, a, a source that's not infinite and not boundless, but quite measured? If you take energy from that place through a narrow little tube, the energy is so reduced and so small that it can chas v'shalom attract klipa, can go there. Because uh, they're always looking for outlets. Where there is a powerful gush of kedusha, they're scared to go. So they look for these little, little, little leakages where they can go and take energy from. And that's the difference between a nazir and a woman. A nazir, when he decides to become a nazir, he plugs his soul into keter, into the crown. That's where it's called kadesh tiyah, holy he shall be. So he actually instantly, by taking upon himself the nazirut, he instantly elevates his neshama to the level of kadesh absolute transcendence. And that holiness, the holiness cannot be drawn from that place only through here. That's why where is the kadusha of the nazir? Where is his holiness? In his hair. Shemshan Agibar had all his might in his hair. Because he was plugged in to, these, to this very, very high level. On the other hand, a woman, the level of a woman is the level of Malchus. Malchus is already the most constricted, contracted levels of godliness. Because Malchus is exactly the idea that God comes down to reign over the world. So Malchus is already a very contracted and limited and constricted level of Kedusha, which is at the very, very tail end of holiness, Malchus. They're already, even without here, the energy is constricted. If chas v'shalem, you add here over there, what happens? The energy becomes even so narrow and so little that the kalipa come around and they buzz and they use the here as drinking to take energy from. That's why a woman, as straws, yeah. That's why a woman who's married particularly has to have her ear covered because you don't want, she has to protect it from klipa chas v'shalom getting to it. Why an unmarried woman doesn't have to do that is discussed in Hasidus because in order for there to be an attraction for the klipa to want to go there, there has to be a lot of energy there. So the woman, once she's married and she has a husband, which means she's already receiving a flow from higher, then she becomes more attractive for the klipa. Klipa wants to buzz at her hair. If she's still a girl, so she's not yet receiving from the transcendental place, so her energy is not yet so powerful, so her hair are not dangerous. It's a really cool idea. So only a married woman has to protect her hair. Now another people had to protect their hair. It was another group of people, the Levium. The Levium had to shave their hair, not all the time, but when they were initially anointed for Levium, they had to shave all their body hair, including their beard and everything. Totally. Why? Because the Levium also come from a constricted energy, because the Levium are rooted in the left side in Gevura. Gevura, things are far more constricted, so therefore the Levium too had to watch their hair. Okay, that's the idea. Now we'll understand why the Balchuva versus the Tzaddik. The Tzaddik has been living all his life in Kedusha and holiness. So therefore, he's, he's, he has expansive consciousness. He's open, he's a lot of energy. His Kedusha world is very rich, rich with a lot of Torah, rich with a lot of holiness, with, with 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of mitzvah observance. He's so filled with content. 
So to him, even little leakages, even the little things that he, you might say you're not paying attention to, a little conversation, a little there, there, it's filled with what? With pearls and gems of wisdom. Everything, every little leakage of him, since he's a tzaddik, since his life is filled with so much holy content, so even the little, that's what it says, like for instance, it says that when a tzaddik says a joke, the joke is filled with holiness. It's not just a joke. Or Chazal say an interesting term. They say that the idle chatter of a Talmud Chacham should also needs to be studied. Even the idle chatter. He's relaxing. He's on vacation. You, you caught him at a good moment. You managed to get a little conversation about worldly things. Ah, nah, nah. Read it. Learn what he says. Because even those simple mundane talk has so much energy, so much to learn from. Also has wisdom. Why? Because when he's, because the rest, when he's not saying idle chatter, there is so much content. So even what leaks out in these little leakages that's called the hair is also holy and good. However, an ignorant person who's not a Talmud Chacham. So if he's a serious conversation, you can have with him as well. But when he makes jokes, it's crass, coarse. There's no content to it. Or his idle chatter is plain boorish. There's nothing there. There's no content. Because even when he's not saying, even when he's being serious, you don't even have there that much content. Because in general, he's a constricted human being with lacking content. A person that's very rich with content, so even the little little uh, things, that the, the little nuggets that fall from him, even the little nuggets are gold nuggets. That's the idea. Um, the, the Chazal say about the Talmud Chacham, it says, How do you know that even the Sichas Chilin, even the Sichas Chulin of the Talmud Chacham needs to be learned? Because it says in the Pasuk, Which we say in the beginning of Tehillim. He's like a tree. Because it's a top. That means a tree is a tree. And the tree produces fruit. So we understand the panemius of the tree is what? Is the fruit. What are the, what are the little leaves? The little leaves are the hair. The little excessive droppings. The nuggets that fall. So from a regular tree, a leaf is a leaf. What is it? But from a really delicious fruit tree, even the leaves are precious. So, oh, so that's the difference now between the balchuva and the tzaddik. The tzaddik who has, as we said earlier, expansive consciousness, his hair is okay. His expressions, even the little leakages of his mind where it leaks into all directions, is Kedusha's holiness. But the Baal who's lived in emptiness, in void, in darkness, he did, now he's in holiness. He's pulled himself out of the dumpster and he's in a good place. But he's got to be very careful with his hair. He needs to protect his hair because his hair, being that there is... It's like, the, it's like the level of the Levim, or the level of the woman, referring to Malchus, where there is a more constricted consciousness, or constricted holiness. So the here that comes from there, could not only it be lacking content, it becomes a, a feeding source for Klippus to get into. And he's going to explain what does that mean, in terms of practical thing. When someone, after someone has his tshuva awakening and return to Kedusha, he's supposed to minimize his worldly dealings to the most that he can. 
especially the excessive involvement in business brainstorming. You have a business, you have a job, do what you need to do. Excessive thinking about it, overly engaging, overly involving, and like thoughts of like, I should do this, and I should do that, and I should do this, the mind constantly. That's called the here that can be dangerous, and Klippa can get involved, and not only that, he says it's detrimental to your business and to your panas. You don't make more money doing that. It actually only causes problems. The less you need to do something, get involved, do it a little bit, and rely on God that he's going to help you. But the overthinking and the over and the scheming and all these things, that's the here. It gets in the way. It's, it's, it's like, and he says basically later, he's going to say, it's like wearing a, a pair of pants. Parnasa is a garment through which Hashem gives you, you create a garment through which Hashem can give you. So when you wear a pair of pants, so you don't want to wear a pair of pants that's too short, that comes up and you're to the top of your socks, right? Then you look a little like a yukal, right? But on the other hand, you also don't want to wear a pair of pants that's way too long because you'll trip on it and fall. So the Alter Rebbe says if you make a lavush that's a little too big, you get too, lov- you get too caught up in these excessive lavushim, you use your brain power for these external things too much, it ain't going to help you. It's only going to make trouble. That's what it says over here. Let's read it inside. The gil- and the Baal has to be more careful than the Tzadik. The Gilches, Raisha, let's see, Moisrei Moichen, the excessive elements of the mind. Because on the higher levels of holiness, the leftover moichin, excessive moichin, who is very holy. For example, the 13 attributes of mercy are called 13 strands of hair. Why? Because they're coming from a place that without hair we can't even dare go there. We would become completely electrocuted because the powerful is so strong. Because it's such power. They're only coming from here. Which is not the case by the Levites. It says, They're supposed to shave all their body hair. This is by way of analogy. It's like the idle chatter of a Talmud Chacham. A Torah scholar, even his idle chatter is something to listen to. Like there's a whole books that that are written from the from the talks that the Rebbe had by the Yom Tov meals. It wasn't serious talks, but the little stories, not there, and every little thing that comes out of the mouth, you can learn and study the depth of what's there. That's only a Talmud Chacham to other people. When they're, when they're taking time off and they're not learning or studying or doing something serious and they're just ch- ch- chattering, then it's real shtus. The words that are coming out then is real, is, is, is foolishness. Because the Talmud Chacham has broad mochen, has expansive mochen. So even his idle chatter, this is like the leftovers, like the hair coming out. You're going to find beautiful thoughts of holiness and goodness and lessons to learn and all that. That it's leaves, even the leaves, which are not the main part of the tree, even that will not rot. It's not the main peri, nevertheless. Because of his great wisdom, even in his idle chatter, Shaloi Melubish Chachma is enclosed a lot to learn. Masha Enke in the Shari Anashim, which is not by other people. 
This is similar to what it says. Shlomo gave parables. Now Shlomo Melech's parables, every parable has more wisdom than other people's deepest, highest, uh, most brilliant ideas. Shlomo Melech, a parable of Shlomo, even though it's only a parable. And metaphors and all these things, that's very powerful. But if a boar gives a parable, It's a parable. It's nothing there. It's a silly, ridiculous thing that no one has to pay attention to. Right? The Dafke Shloima, but it says Dafke Shloima, was able to bring down Where a mayor died, you don't have people who can give parables anymore. Similar to that. Chazal say something else. They say, Am Ha'aretz, an ignoramus, Asr Lechel Basar. It's prohibited to eat the meat. Okay, meat may only be eaten by people that are scholars. Shah Basar Shum Why? Because meat is not the basic necessity for a diet. To live, you need vegetables and some grains. That's to live. And the meat is considered moiser, extras. So, someone whose life is infused with powerful meaning and purpose. So even when they're doing extras, even when they're involved in the decoration, like the extras, even there they find meaning. It's not a lot of meaning. It's not like the meaning that they have when they're putting on tefillin. But even when they're eating a little piece of chicken, there's also some meaning. The meaning spills over. Because they're a person filled with content. And their lives are so focused and so directed. So, even, so the Gemara says that, they, not in this mimer, in the parallel mimer, the, the different, there's a second version to this mimer. And the, the Alter Rebbe says <laughs> um, that you had sages that were picky about their food. And he liked his food like this, and he liked his food like that. And you say... For a regular person, it's plain shtus. But for people on this caliber, even those things have, have purpose and meaning because that's like the hair. It's, taka, it's considered chitzonios, external, compared to the panemias. But they can even take these external things and have, it, have them included in Kedusha. And in, but for a regular person who is living at the fringe of, of, of Kedusha to begin with, even in his most serious moment, he's kind of at the fringe, not really deep inside. So when he's getting involved in chitzonius things that are far more external, there he loses all sense of purpose and all sense of meaning. You see what I'm saying? Someone who's deeply involved in purpose, so even when he's doing things that are in general considered less purposeful, even there the purpose is found. This purpose spills into that. People who even when they're being serious is not, there's not such a high content uh, uh, count, so to speak. The, the content of their Yiddishkeit, of their, of their, of their Pneumius, is very, very, is, is very shallow, shallow and superficial people. So then when they're engaged in something that is shallow itself within their world, that's totally empty and, 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 and uh, unholy. That's the idea. An Amaaretz is not allowed to eat meat. Because meat that is extras makes him fall. 
Mashaykin tzadik. Oichel l'sayv enafshay can eat and not fall from the eating. V'chein al derech zeh bebegadim. Same as also in nice clothing. You had tzadikim like the holy Rujiner who dressed, or the Rebbe Marash, who dressed royal. The Rujiner used to dress in gold boots and he dressed with, and he looked like a king and he was so, and he was very meticulous about his clothing that he wore. And it was beautiful, it was, everything was, and, oh, what's it called again? But, for a other person who gets very, very caught up in, the, in their clothing that they wear, it's not Kedushan. Quite on the contrary, it can bring to haughtiness, to being self-absorbed, and so on and so forth. But for a tzaddik, it doesn't damage. Because again, as we said before, when your life is so deeply focused and so devoted towards a mission and a purpose and to holiness, then even in the most external matters, there too there is a content and a servant. And like for example, the Kohen, Gadol, the high priest, he represents the epitome of divine attachment. He has to wear beautiful clothing. He dressed in splendor clothing. And it didn't bring him to any haughtiness. You should make holy clothing to iron your brother, for honor, and for beauty, for splendor. The Kohen Gadol, who lives in the world of Bittel, now the problem with clothing is that fancy clothing or beautiful clothing can bolster the ego, can make a person feel important and the like. So for a Kohen Gadol, it's not dangerous at all because the Kohen Gadol, his energy is rooted in Chachma. Chachma is the epitome of nullification, the epitome of Bittal. When you're totally Bittal, then you can handle doing something that is kind of seems to be, to be more of a yash, but it doesn't affect you because you, because because you're bottled completely. But someone who is struggling with his ego all the time, if he will do something that is egotistical, that will like shoot his ego up in a minute. Um, the chachamim get covered and they for other people. We see the opposite. the the taiva, which is the, the excessive meat, and the covet, which is the the the, 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 the dressing, uh, uh, the, the overdressing, take the person out of the world, which means damage. So the same is also the balchuva, who's just freshly taken his soul out of klipa, has to be very careful with excessive stuff. You should basically suffice with the bare minimum. The Alter Rebbe says he needs to, segufim means... Uh, it needs to you take upon certain restrictions and mortifications. Chuvas ageder shouldn't fall. Someone didn't sin could afford himself to eat a little more, to live a little bit more of a luxurious lifestyle. or at least a life of comfort. She has to shave her hair. that which is extra and to suffice with that which is a must. Now he should cut his nails or fix the nails. So if the here represents extra energy leaking out of the brain into unholiness, what does the nails represent? Emotional energy when it leaks out. 
because the hands represent the two emotions. They're plugged into the heart. And the fingers bring it. And then finally, when you get to the nails, you're getting into the emotions as they're flowing into all kinds of directions. So you have to be very careful with that. Like you find, for example, Avram. Avram is extreme holiness. Avram is God's right hand. But what came from Avram? Avram had nails. And at the end of Avram's nails, Yishmael comes. Yishmael is a klipadig version of chesed. Yishmael comes from him. They're achiza. The klipa gets to the nails. Bipsoyles, the leftovers. Okay. Now he's going to go back. He doesn't explain much what that means. To clip the extra emotions. Doesn't explain. Uh, but he goes back to the here. What does it mean to hear? The excessive of the mochen. Why? Interesting. Earlier he says, he doesn't explain why, but now he goes into a little bit of explanation of what I said earlier. It means extra. How do you translate his Yeah, but wisdom, or in our case, it would mean extra cunning cleverness, extra. Trying to be very clever. It says in the Pasuk, It's not that to, bread is not to, the, to the, those that are overly smart. There are people that scheme all day long and they think they're so smart and, they, and they're going to do like everything and they have all these brilliant ideas but they never make a dollar with all their ideas. Even though it says, It doesn't mean that a person doesn't have to make some ishtadlos, some kind of vehicle for Parnassah. It says, God will bless you in everything that you will do. The bracha and the flow is drawn. Tafke in what you will do. You need to make a keli. Through this keli, you will get that which God has set aside on Rosh Hashanah. In other words, like this. Parnassah is given to you on Rosh Hashanah. And it's given to you on Yom Kippur. You're not going to get a dollar more with all your brilliant, with all the crop. You're not going to make a cent more than what that Hashem decided on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. However, it's possible that even though God gave it to you, you're not going to do a withdrawal. It's going to lay. It's going to stay in your account. That's not going to. It's not going to come down to pay your bills into. into. Why? If you don't go out and work, if you sit, you're going, to, you're going to be lazy and just lay in bed all day long and hope they say, "Well, God gave me Parnassah." It ain't going to happen. Why? Because you need to make a keli. God gave you the energy. When you make a keli, the bracha will come. Mashikim Yashav Batal, if a person sits and doesn't do anything, the Lo Yasa Klau Be'ezer Parnasa, and you're not going to involve yourself in Parnasa, Lo Yumshacham Shacha Begashmias. The bracha Hashem gave you is not going to materialize. You have a bracha, but it's not going to materialize. Because in our physical world, Nimshacha Ashpa Belavush, the Hester. In our world, everything comes in through Teva. So you have to make some kind of a keli in which God can hide his hashpa. Not that Hashem needs your business. Hashem can give it to you without the business. But then Hashem would not be anonymous. Then Hashem would be visible. If you were daven and suddenly you would find, you know, 300 bucks in your pocket, that means God would be clearly revealed. And God doesn't want that. He wants us to reveal him through Torah and mitzvahs, but he wants him to be concealed in this world. So therefore, Hashem says, if you're not going to provide for me a way to camouflage my blessing, I'm not going to give it to you. Even though I wanted to give it to you, I'm not going to give it to you. We don't see our wonders. Really, everything is a wonder, but we don't see it. 
אך בכל מקום ההשפעה עצמו, בת ההשפעה עצמו, נמשך מלמעלה. ההשפעה comes from above. וברכך השם אין השם is going to bless you בכל אשר תעשה. השם blesses you in all that you do. אלא שהאדם מחויב לעשות כלי, person is obligated to make a כלי, שבזה יומשך הברכה. With this we turn over the page, and this the bracha will come now. This is the order of the way things happen. When you start putting too much brain energy into it, that's already considered extra. That's considered here. This is not to the wise man as bread. The fact that you're overly like thinking it's because you really believe that it's the it's the it's your business or this or this. Um, this uh, whatever, this idea or that idea, this is what's really giving you your parnasa. And you're forgetting that it's mamish only Hashem giving you the parnasa. So once you start paying too much attention to it, it means you're showing that you're not believing that it's Hashem the source of the blach. That you're thinking that this cause and that kind of tachbula means that attempt that you're doing he ikris. That is the main thing, Bashpazu. And then Chas Vishalim, Nifrad. Then you become a separate, you become disconnected from God. Because you're not believing that Hashem is the one who's in charge over everything. You're believing in your own power. So that doesn't help. Not only that, it causes when a person starts getting so much, it's a very frightening thought. A person doesn't have to sin. When a person overindulges himself in business investment involvement, it causes the heart to actually go, go absolutely stone. The heart becomes a stone heart. You have no feelings for Kedusha, for holiness. You lose all ability to sense and to feel godliness. It's a frightening thing. Become a stone heart. Ein Sham. Vuhu And then he gives an example. Misha Toifer Loy Lavush. Remember we said earlier, like when a person... you. The, clo- the, the parnasa is only a garment. But when you make a garment, you have to make sure the garment is the right size. If you make too much garment, you're going to trip and fall over it. If you make a garment that's the right measurement, is good. But if you make it a little too long, can cause that it should fall. I love this line so much, I got so excited that I called two people when I was preparing this. I got a call. The, the next line is Gavaldi. He's out to ask the question. Hold it. It says in Mesechtes Nida, Daf Ayin, Maz Yasa Adam Yis Asher. What should a person do if he wants to be wealthy? So the Gemara says, Yar Bebischaira. He should increase in merchandise. I mean, he, should do, he should do big business. So Lachaira, that's a contradiction. We're saying now that you have to do something, but you, don't, you shouldn't increase in it. And here it says you should. And then it says also, it says you should plead to the one who is in charge over parnasa, over wealth. Al on wealth. Then you have to make a larger lavush. So first of all, he says. Once you know the Tashpas, first of all, you have to know that it says Beferish in the Gemara there as well, not just to go and make a lot of business. The Gemara says, number one, that what? That you should davint, 
you know the pranos is coming from Hashem. And, you, and Hashem is giving you the bracha, but you have to make a larger keli. You have to make a larger vessel. Fine. But the next line is what I, what I really got me excited. The gamzois, another thing, it doesn't, it says you should increase in merchandise. It doesn't say you should increase in your business scheming. It doesn't say yarbe b'mischar. It says yarbe b'schoira. So that means is not more scheming, more involvement. Just go for a big deal. Don't do business karg small. Be metabreitkeit, like Shmuel says. Breit, broad, wideness, not constricted. Go do a big thing. Don't shoot for the stars. Don't, don't go... Do something big, but don't put your head in it too much. But do a big keli. The brain element in it, the scheming doesn't help. A big deal? Yeah. More than. Not to the wise's bread. For sure, if someone doesn't care about being wealthy, he just wants to make a living. It's, and, and, and he feels that he's happy with a little bit. Or, even if you want to become wealthy, you're not, help, you're not davening to Hashem. Then even a lot of merchandise, also is like wearing a long pair of pants, and it's not good. When you're davening, and you really want to be wealthy, then you need to be marbe b'schaira. Schaira meaning in merchandise, not in your merchant dealings, but in your merchandise. Do big deals instead of small deals. Now, you need both. You need to daven and also make a keli. Because the hashpa that comes down in the world of Asiyah, only comes through a garment of Teva. All that you will do. This is the meaning that she should shave her hair. The leftover mochen on Iskalel that we said earlier. They're considered like here. Which from them, the, the klipa derives energy. Like we said, a woman's hair is an erva. For example, in Torah it says, Salsala utramemucha, comb her hair, comb the hair of Torah, and it will elevate you. So, what does it mean, combing the hair of Torah? So, the Alter Rebbe explains somewhere else. That means it's a good hair. Torah's hair is good hair. When you're, when you're, when <laughs> it's really saying, combs got, when you're learning Torah the right way, you're really combing Hashem's hair. And you're making Hashem have a nice, Nice beard. What does that mean? You see, what are here? Let's go out. Every here, as we said earlier, is a little tube in which a little bit of brain energy goes into. Follow, right? Good. Now, God's infinite brain and infinite wisdom, where does this little bit of brain energy go into? The little tiny little bits? Into all the details of Torah. So, so every halacha, every halacha, what's every halacha? Every halacha is a strand of God's hair. Now anybody knows that if you start learning halacha, 
before you start learning anything, you get very confused. Because you learn one Allah that says like this, he said another Allah that says like this, and it's a contradiction. So what, do, what, what does Gemara do all the time? The Gemara is trying to explain this that it says in this brisa. Uh, it's like this. This is talking in this case, but this is talking in this case. So you shouldn't confuse the two. So what does that mean? If every halacha is a strand of hair, what happens when things are not clear? So it's like the hair gets entangled. Hashem's hair is entangled one with each other. So Talmidah Chachamim are studying all day long, and what are they doing? They're brushing Hashem's hair. They're separating it from its entanglements because they're allowing each halacha to shine in each in its own thing. So sorting out Torah is considered brushing Hashem's hair. Oh, but didn't we say the hair is dangerous? No, nah, depends as we said, depends on which level. On the level of Torah, it's very, very high. And quite on the contrary, it says, Salsalo, comb the hair, Uteroma Mucha, it's going to lift you up. Because Torah, its source is from Chachma. And Chachma is what? The Kesar Elian and the Supernal Crown. From there, a dafka comes through here. Because if not for that, the world would not be able to receive if it didn't come through here. This idea that, that here is only good on a, on a high level, not on a low level, is also hinted to in Sarah's name. Sarah, her original name was Sarai. And what happened afterwards? What is her name? Sarah. Now you see why. Sarai means that the Sarah is Malchus. Sarai means that the energy is flowing through a tiny little hole, through a yud. That's no good. Because from Sarah, since she's the level of Malchus, closer to the world, if you take from such a level through a tiny little hair, you'll have Yenika Sachi Tzone. So what do you need to do with Sarah? You have to take the yud and open it up into a wide big hay. Oh, now it's safe. It's from, from the lower levels, you can't have a Hamshacha through here, because that's dangerous. So you ever ask the question, when did Sarah put on her tichel? When they changed their name from Sarai to Sarah. No more Yud, no more Tzimtzum. Okay, we're almost done. Now it says, this is very powerful. The next piece is very powerful. Then it says, okay, so now you're cutting off all the ex- extra stuff. Balchuv has got to be careful with that. Next thing it says, remove her clothing of captivity. What does that mean? So remember, I mentioned this at the beginning. Chas v'shalom, chas v'shalom. In Kalipa, in addition to the impure passions, fervor, unholiness that you get Chas v'shalom involved in, there's a certain oramakif of Kalipa that can sometimes come upon a person. It's a type of impurity that you don't feel internally. You don't sense it. But there's like something pushing the person into all kinds of negative things. And that's a very dangerous place to be in. It's one thing when you yourself are stimulating your sins. Okay, fine. 
at least you know where it's coming from. But when a person falls into a into a whirlpool of klipa and that's surrounding him, that's engulfing him from the outside, and he's not even conscious, but he's like prone to always finding every sin and every negative thing, that's because the forces of klipa have enveloped his soul from the outside. And it's not conscious, it's subconscious. That's called unholy garments. That's called the clothing of captivity. And that's where the sages say that when a person does a sin, a person does a, a person does a little tumma below, a little impurity below, he gets tumma from above. That means the powers of tumma shower him with impurity. Just like it says the opposite. When you do a little kedusha, a person makadish a person sanctifies himself a little bit, they give him a heavy dosage of holiness from above, they help him. The same is also on the other side. So that is something with the subconscious powers of unholiness. That has to be removed. Even if you've internally changed, you, you might still have these powers of klipa from the outside that you're not even conscious of. And that needs to be cleaned. And only then. Vasira, Simla Shivya, as the Pasik says, you should remove the garments of impurity, of, of, of captivity. Simla Ubchenas Makif is the Makif. Vyash Makif Gambezelu Umazeh. There is a Makif also on the other side. Even though we said in the beginning of the class that, they, that, the, that, the, that the, the demons don't have a shadow, they don't have a makif. But remember we explained, they don't, have a sha- they don't have a shadow of a shadow, but they have one level of makif. Ki, one shadow they do have, a double shadow they don't have. Ki but one shadow they do have. There he explains it a little different. Like we explained earlier, in Kedusha there's two levels of Makif, Lamed and Mem. It's the Makif, and then the Makif of the Makif. These are the two levels of Chaya and Yechida. These are the two Makif. Nefesh Ruach Neshama, that's Pnimi, Chaya is Makif, and Yechida is Super Makif. I'm a Pirish Ramaz, Parshas Pinchas. Kabakola Oina Omen Yeish Me Rabba Mavarak Machol Koychoi. I'm a Shkoza Bira Pasuk, Kasham Shemaim Achadashim. Look over there. Uba Klipa and by Klipa, Ain Lam Pchinas Bavua de Bavua. They don't have the higher Makif. Shubchinas Amakif Limakif. The Zausha Amar, that's what it says. Umikvirim Yechidasi. Save my, my Yechida from Kvirim, from the hungry lions. So because the Yechida is saved. Why is the Yechida saved? Because they don't have a Yechida. So they can hit me, the lions can tear me apart on my Nefesh Ruach Neshama. They can devour me even on my level of Chaya, but they can't touch my Yechida. My Yechida. There's no Le'umazeh in Klippa. One Makif, Yashlaim they have. And this will answer a few questions. There are certain Maimarim that seem to contradict each other. In some places it explains Some places it says that there's two levels of love. Avas Olam and Avaraba. Avas Olam is love to God produced by the mind based on reason, based on logic, based on understanding. And then there is Avaraba is like this powerful Eruption of pure soul energy that doesn't—that's not based on reason, on intellect—and it says in some places that 
that even though Kalipa can create a love similar to our holy love, but it can't be a competition to the irrational, super-logical love. That's what it says. It doesn't have it. But in other Maimarim it says, like it says in that Maimar. But in other Maimar it says that Klippa also has an irrational love. That's when a person has an attachment to unholy things and he himself can't explain why. A lot of times a person knows that certain behavior, behaviors are very damaging to themselves. They know they're hurting themselves. They don't have any logic to explain why they are doing this harm to themselves, but they do it anyways. Why? Because the, that's the klipa that's beyond logic. So you see that there is a transcendental element to klipa as well. So is there or is there is not? And the answer is there is, but not as deep as Kedusha. Not as high as Kedusha. There's the depth of being connected to the stupidities of the world when it becomes be totally irrational and insane. But according to what we just now said, it's okay. Which is what? Which makif that's above Seichel? The second makif. Which is the main makif that's considered the concealment of the heart. That doesn't exist only in holiness. Only Only in Kedusha there is this level. The Lamed they do have, but the Mem they don't have. And what does this mean? What does it mean, a unholy garment? This is the idea. Of Avera Goireres Avera. When a person does one Avera, the Avera itself pulls them to do another Avera. And what is that? That's not, that's not a conscious thing. It's a subconscious force. It says a person defiles himself a little bit, but they become defiled a lot from above. Look in Rashi's Chachma where he explains that. He doesn't sense it in his soul. These are very, very dangerous things. It comes from the Makif of Klippa. And this is the idea of Asira as Simla Shivya. She should remove the garments. You have to remove that. In order that your Lama de Mem should connect to your tzaddik, you'll be able to take her for a wife, you have to remove the unholy makifim, because if, as long as they're there, they're blocking. How do you do that? The funny thing is that he doesn't say a word how that's done. He just says you have to do it. How? So what do you do? How do it, it seems like it's something that you can't even control, because it's not within your consciousness. So it doesn't explain. I don't know. I didn't see a beard. Um, she should sit in your house. Then it says she should sit in your house. This girl. This. Let your tzaddik in you. Your tzaddik. Settle well. Should not become separated. What exactly that means. Doesn't give a beer. It means let 
don't let tshuva be a fleeting moment. The yashra v'yisecha. Let it settle it down. Settle in in this. Settle in, in in this holy state. In the body and in your everyday life. And because uh, sometimes we have these powerful tshuva moments, but we don't take it with us into ordinary everyday living. It remains a a super experience that is powerful and strong during the Chagim and then we don't know and we don't try and we don't and then it's gone it remains makif and it doesn't yashva settle it down to become part of you or he says you can say is earlier we said connect your lamid to your tzaddik and now he's saying connect your mem to your tzaddik let her sit in your house because the, the lamed is called garments. The mem is called house. That's what it means over here that Samach Tzedek says, You see your koiches pnimiyem being in captivity. You have to change your midas tzadik the tzadik. How do you do that? You need to activate your lamid and your mem. How do you protect it? You bring her into your home. The higher makif. The gamma makif the pchenas lamid. Shenikra levush into both makifim. Shalakach beluuma zanikra simla shivya. In the unholy, it's called the clothing of captivity. In the holy, it's called holy clothing. So marinate your soul in both your lamid, in the clothing of Kedusha, and also in the house of Kedusha. Like David HaMelech says, Shifti Bebeis Hashem, right? The house of Hashem. Remove the... And shal yishra halavusha makif the Kedusha. Once she removes the makif of Klippa, then the makif of Kedusha will be able to come down, the garments of Kedusha. And once you have the garments of Kedusha upon her, now you can add also the house of Kedusha, the bias. Okay, I didn't check this up, so I couldn't tell you. But the last piece, it says she should cry for her father. So the Altar asked a simple question, what's the crying now? She did tshuva already. She's out. She removed the makifem, everything. She's pure. She's holy. She's reconnected. She gathered all the thoughts, speech, and actions. Her internal, she has a total internal transformation. She's metamorphosized. She's clean. She's wiped away all the klipa from the outside and the inside. So why now cry? Crying, you should have done at the beginning. And the answer is, this is, this is, this is tears of joy. This is, till now we're dealing with the lower tshuva. Tshuva tata. You're repairing, you're getting out of the klipa. Now we're dealing with tshuva ilah. What's tshuva ilah? Tshuva ilah, return to me, God says. Let's get intimate. And when God starts being intimate with your soul, and He starts illuminating and blasting your soul with light, the soul can't handle it, and it cries from sheer pleasure and delight. Yosef, and when, it, and, and when something is too intense, and the brain can't handle it, it tears come from the brain contracting. And sometimes when the energy is too intense, it contracts. What do tears come from? Usually tears come from pain. But when it's something that's, when you have a pain that's unbearable, it causes the brain to like kvetch. 
And when the brain contracts, that's where tears. It has to do with, with the kibbutz, hamoichen, and causes tears. That can come from a pain that you can't handle, but it can also come from a pleasure and a delight that you can't handle. It says Rabbi Akiva was once sitting and learning with Rabbi Eliezer, his Rabbi. And Rabbi Eliezer was teaching Rabbi Akiva secrets of the Torah. That was so deep and so delightful that Rabbi Akiva was sitting and listening on Shira Shirim. Rabbi, Akiva was, Rabbi Eliezer was teaching him Shira Shirim and Rabbi Akiva was bawling. Why? Just from pleasure. He, he, that, the Zolguen of the Mois. is As it says, it's a higher tshuva. And, it, and this is what it says. And see, no one, the Arizal says a frightening thing. Arizal says that anybody who doesn't cry from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur during those 10 days, either Rosh Hashanah or anyone, it has to, it's a sign that his Nisham is, is not complete. Everybody has to have a moment of crying during these days. So the Alter Rebbe, however, explains we're not talking, the Arizal is not referring to ordinary painful crying. The Arizal is talking about this, because when your soul is hugged by God, you have to cry. And if that's not happening, it means that the neshama did not get hugged by God, and therefore you, can't, you didn't experience these tears of joy. Uh, which makes it much harder, because one thing to tear, the, the other types of tears. But uh, it's easier to have this, this is what it seems to be. So all those who thought that because I shed a tear or two during the threes, my neshama is complete. Uh, it says over here, the Alter Rebbe explains it differently. Whoever doesn't cry, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, the Sham is incomplete. So the Alter Rebbe says, This crying does not come from depression or sadness. When he apprehended, when he understood, secrets of the Torah and the Song of Songs, Zogu of the his eyes were pouring tears. That is what it says when Mashiach will come. With tears, with, with crying, we will come back. Then too, when Mashiach comes, suddenly our Nishamis will, will suddenly, like all the all the concealments will go away and we'll realize how close Hashem is. And how unbelievable loved we are, and how I mean, what it means to be a Jew, and all that is going to hit us so powerfully and so strong that it's no, there isn't going to be one person who's going to be able to handle that without crying. Shuhu madrega gedayla, it's such a such a high level. Yesterday we watched a little clip; it was so beautiful. We had a presentation here yesterday about open your eyes and see Mashiach is here. So there was actually a, and the guy that was was doing it, it was it was phenomenal. He was showing us that everything it says in the prophecies, that's going to be when Mashiach comes, today you don't read it in the prophets, today you read it in the newspaper, that every day these things are happening. One of the things it says, that the blind will see and the hear will hear. And the, so they show a little clip of a lady who got, went deaf like 20 years ago or something like that, and she didn't hear. She had another child. She never heard the voice of her child. And then they put, a little, they put that, that uh, chip into the ear. And after the implant, and after that, she comes back, and her little, they show the video of her little eight-year-old coming in to see her mother. It was like so. And you see the way that she hears her, mother hears the child, and they both are crying, even the little kid, because he too can't handle the intensity of the moment that Hashem hears his voice, that, that the mother hears his voice. So imagine when we will realize how much Hashem is our mother and father, and how much he, when, we, when, our, when our spiritual sensors open up, how, how unbearable that, Pleasure and experience is going to be how it's going to cause a ocean of tears. 
who, as it says, Shimadrei Gedayla. Now you know who was on such a level, who lived in that world, was Moshe Rabbeinu. He lived in the intense worlds of godliness. So when he when he was born, he was in the water, in the in this intense, and he was crying because it says because he, he was still a little immature, he's still a baby, but still he's living it. So his mind couldn't handle it. So he was crying, and she Basia realized that soon she She realized that this is an ashama that's who comes from a world of of. She had mercy on him. That's what Yom Kippur is. Yom Kippur is not crying of pain. That you do all, all the garbage you clean up before Yom Kippur. You can do that in slichas. You can do that now. Time you come to Yom Kippur, you're supposed to cry tears of joy the whole Yom Kippur, because it's that closeness. What does it say? And you think this is over. She's, and that's what it says, she should cry for a month. The month is Tishrei. It's tears of joy. And then what happens? The, after that, you should come to her, and you, will have, and you will be able to have relations, be intimate with her. That's the next step. After the tears of joy, then there is total fusion. That's Mesiris Nefesh. Which is total, the Neshama becomes completely absorbed in Hashem. That's the idea of Tachanun that comes after Shmon Esri. But when you come to Tachanun and you put your head down, total Mesiris Nefesh. And in, in, in terms of the time of the year, that's Yom Kippur, but which part of Yom Kippur? The end of Yom Kippur, Ne'ila. Shugamara Aliyah, Malchus then rises to the highest levels. And actually, the Tzemach, in the other Mimer, it says that's also in the Pasuk, in regards to the future, you see that after the crying, there's another level. It says, Yavoyu. The Yavoyu is the same idea that it says over here. When is Knesset Yisrael called the Kala? When, when the Oira Laki is shining in the innermost of her heart. In the depth of we learned this Maimar. When she receives a man. And this is called Nesua. We should all merit to do real, true, Amos Chsidish Shuvah.